Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Now going to take a shot downfield, throws the ball downfield on the far sideline. It's intercepted by the Chargers at the 43-yard line. Falls out of the gun. Three receivers go right, one goes left. Ball in the near hash. No score. Colts and Chargers back into passes. Falls, airs it out downfield. A contested catch, and it is battled for, and I think intercepted on the far sideline again. Herbert under center. Again, the long back in the backfield is Eckler. Ball between the hash marks. Palmer motions to the left side. They give off to Eckler, who dances into the end zone for a touchdown. Puts up the ball in the near hash. Shotgun snap for Foles. Steps up in the pocket. Watches it downfield. It's picked off by the Chargers. Third interception of the game. It's Asante Samuel. They're going quickly here. Herbert under center. He's going to turn. Hand off to Eckler. He's in there for a touchdown. His second rushing score of the ball game. And now the Chargers really have something going here. They've broken it open. Kevin, I'll be honest with you. Um, it, it is our job to have the proper words to opine on things, and you know we've got three hours to do so. I'm not, but I, I was watching that last night, and I'm like, I, I don't know. Same old song and dance. Like I'm almost out of words. Is that just me punting? Is that me being the Colts' offense last night? Wow, you out of words is quite the um, quite the thought running through my head here. Mark and I might have to, you know, have a few drinks uh, when we reconvene. Or just the thought of that. Um, I would start here. Um, I'd like to offer an apology, and you know, I do feel like thanks to educating and entertain, uh, we've been able to grow as a show not only within the United States but also internationally. Um, so for all those that have witnessed the Colts play football in a national TV audience, particularly international as well, um, good news, you will not see the Colts on national TV the rest of the season. Um, so the embarrassing performance in the solo time slot have ended. Uh, you know, as far as the game last night, Jake, yeah, to your point, same old song and dance. How many times this season, um, at least I've found myself doing this, wow, the defense is playing pretty well. Oh, wow, the defense is hanging in there. Oh, the defense just created a turnover that, you know, maybe the offense can cash cash this in, play some complimentary football, and who knows what will happen. And for the umpteenth time in a row, uh, that did not happen last night. Your offense is absolutely horrific. Um, three different quarterbacks. It's not mattered. It hasn't mattered who calls the plays. It hasn't mattered who's playing on the offensive line. Uh, and this, you know, comes off the heels, and we'll get into it, and we'll play the audio a little bit later of Jim Irsay in the pregame last night mentioning uh, that Chris Boward will be back in 2023 and that he's very open to Jeff Saturday as a long-term candidate. So we'll see how that obviously plays out the rest of the way. You know, as I was watching the game, and I will say this, sometimes history is fascinating and history repeats itself. And, you know, what do they always say, right? Like, you learn history as to not allow it to repeat itself. Um, watching that game last night, all I could think of was the clip, and we've played it many times, obviously, in, in this show. Uh, Jim Morris, some 20 years ago, perfectly summed up last night's game. Yeah, here we go from the old Colts coach. Well, I'll start off by saying this. Do not blame that game on the defense, okay? 
I don't care who you play, whether it's a high school team, a junior college team, a college team, much less an NFL team, you ain't going to beat anybody I just talked about. Anybody. That pretty much sums it up, right? Because, Kevin, I've watched, and I sent this tweet, I've watched a lot of bad Colts teams in the mid-'80s through the early-'90s, the first year of the Colts, you know, the first decade or so of the Colts being here. I saw a lot of really bad teams, really bad teams. But at least offensively, I can't speak for the defense, and I know that realistically this isn't probably the case. But those teams, at least when I watched, and maybe I'm being retrospectively romanticizing it because I was a kid and I looked up to those players because they were older than I, I don't know. But it felt like even the really bad teams of Gary Hogaboom and Don Mikowski and Jesse Hester and Pat Beach and Matt Booza, it felt like those teams at least were trying. This offense either is not very talented or is completely checked out, Kevin, because what have we seen here? You changed the head coach, same result. You changed the offensive coordinator, same result. You changed the quarterback, same result. You went back to the original quarterback, same result. And then changed that original quarterback to a third quarterback that we have not seen yet this year, same result. Just completely, inexcusably, embarrassingly flat. Yeah, I I think the scary part, Jake, is they are trying. Um, And Mark saw this last year with Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears. And to me, this tells so much of the offensive story. Last year, Foles did not play uh, for the Bears until late December. Um, Ironically, it was a year ago last night when he made his only appearance for Chicago last year. So very reminiscent of this year. He sat on the bench, sat on the bench. Um, He comes out last year and leads Chicago to a road victory at Seattle. Throws for like 250, throws for a touchdown. Um, You know, exactly kind of what you think you're getting in Nick Foles as a backup quarterback and a guy that can fill in in in, in a spot duty and come in and play good football for you. Um, Similar script to last night in the sense of he didn't play all year. Um, You would think he'd have a little bit more of an advantage with this System, considering he has so much history with Frank Reich. And yet last night, Nick Foles has a quarterback rating that literally looks like I mean, it looks like like how high many points per, Well, yeah, I was going to go with like how many points Luka Doncic is averaging, averaging per game, like thirty point two or something. I was going to go with the Pacers, but I guess uh, that was very ugly last night. Um, that to me tells so much of the story, though, Jake. In that, again, Foles last year, following a very similar script of not playing, not practicing much, et cetera, et cetera, comes off the bench and delivers for the Bears. And we're talking about the Bears. It's not like there's this abundance of offensive talent. This isn't. Brock Purdy walking into San Francisco and he's got dynamic skill players at running back wide out and tight end and yet Foles comes in there last night throws three picks sacks seven times Um, the offense again continues to look like the same boring archaic product it's been all year long and I think a question that Jim Irsay has got to ask himself I kind of sit here with two questions about Jeff Saturday and the evaluation your defense and special teams continues to get it done. Gus Bradley, Bubba Ventrone, respectively. The unit that Saturday was consulting with 
before coming here as the interim, and now the unit he is sitting in those meeting rooms for 80, 90% of his time, week in and week out, continues to be awful. Should that be a reflection on Saturday? And if it's not, then what does that say about the personnel offensively, and shouldn't that be a reflection on Chris Ballard? Because when I hear Ursay talk, I don't hear either of those things. But how do you sit here and watch this offensive product week in and week out and not think to yourself, either it's coaching or it's personnel or maybe it's both and both need to go. Obviously, Frank Reich already went, but, and we'll play the audio again a little bit later, Jim Mercer continues to stand by Chris Ballard. Kevin, the comments that Jim Mercer made, and by the way, good morning, everybody, on a Tuesday. My name is Jake Quarry. That is Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is back as well. Uh, from his holiday break. Mark, you have a good Christmas? Very good Christmas. Okay. Very good. Um, Mark, he, there's no picture up. Of what? That's coming in soon. In my chair. I was doing some other stuff, but there's the, <laughs> I found a picture that you will regret that you even asked now. Oh, well. Oh, boy. I found, Merry well, Christmas just, to you, well, too, just, Mark. I'm just saying I found, one, I found one, and it's not the most flattering. None of them that I post are, but if you want one, I'll give you one. Actually, I can go get it right now if you want to carry the show along. Okay, well, Kevin asked for it, so... Um, but good morning to you on a Tuesday. This is Kevin and Query here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan Stephen Holder going to join us at 9 o'clock. We wanted to talk to Stephen a day early because Stephen, of course, with ESPN.com, and it was on ESPN yesterday in the pregame where the interview ran with Jim Mercer where he said that Chris Ballard will be the general manager next year, um, as you had talked about. And we'll play a lot of that audio later, Kevin. He was he didn't rule out the possibility of Jeff Saturday coming back. There were covers you know, I thought it was interesting that kind of unsolicited, and I can't remember which one it was, whether it was Joe Buck or Troy Aikman. I think it was Aikman that kind of volunteered the name Jim Harbaugh. And look, I know that Jim Harbaugh's name is going to be linked to the Colts in speculation because of his connection to Indianapolis and the fact as a player he spent so much time here, but I did find it interesting. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that his name would be one that Jim Mercer would explore. But for someone of Troy Aikman to just kind of voluntarily throw out, you know, Harbaugh is an interesting name for this job. Da, 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 leads, you know, obviously I think most people know that he is probably the forefront candidate. But let's begin with, with simply this. Aikman, I thought, made the point it was like in the third quarter, and he just kind of volunteered it, and I was like, thank goodness somebody said it like of that cloud and that level, where he just said, they've got to quit doing the scrap heap recycling of quarterbacks. They just do. They've At some point, you've if you are a football general manager, at some point you've got to bite the bullet and say, my primary job here is to find a quarterback. This seemingly is undoubtedly going to be the year. Kevin, the, 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 the worry I have or the issue I have, and maybe this offense is a quarterback away, a young, mobile, strong-armed quarterback away. I, they do have some pieces, it would seem. The line has, for whatever reason, completely fallen apart. But with a young quarterback, the problem I have there is even if the quarterback, if you hit, and you don't know whether you are getting – you know, Justin Herbert or whether you're getting Josh Rosen. You don't know whether you're getting Josh Allen or whether you're getting Sam Darnold. You don't know whether you're getting Baker Mayfield or whether you're getting Zach Wilson. I, You know, but if you get somebody that hits, you're still two years away. Look at Trevor Lawrence. Look at, you know, even Josh Allen. I, you know, it, 
Those guys, it was year two when they started to hit their stride. So now you're up to year eight of Chris Ballard. I don't mean to be a pessimist, Kevin, but tell me why I should be an optimist. Well, if you bring in a new coach, I would argue Ballard's going to be here a lot longer. I mean, theoretically, wouldn't the new coach and the GM be aligned on the same time frame? Right. Uh, granted, I guess Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, as of now, uh, we're not on that timeline. Uh, but I, I, I think that's something that you would have to point out. To, to your earlier point, Jake, about quarterbacks, I, I guess I wanted to hit on that for just a second because I think when you play a team like the Chargers and you watch Justin Herbert throw the football last night, you're, you are reminded rather harshly of what you lack at the most important position in sports. And I, I would argue that the AFC right now, from a quarterback standpoint, is in the, if you don't have the quarterback, which the Colts don't, it's the scariest time the conference has looked in years. Because, sure, you had Breeze, Manning, Brady, Big Ben. You know, you had those four together for, you know, a, a very long stretch. But, you know, ever since 2010 or, you know, whatever, 2008, maybe a little bit more into that 2010 decade, that group was tailing off. And you look at where you're at in the AFC right now, and you bring up Trevor Lawrence, and I wouldn't even rank him, you know, in the top six or seven of the most dynamic quarterbacks in this conference. Look at the talent and look at their ages, whether it is a Josh Allen or a Joe Burrow or a Patrick Mahomes or it is Trevor Lawrence or it is Herbert or Tua or Lamar Jackson or, I mean, we'll see what happens in year two for Deshaun Watson. And you just look up and down this conference all throughout each and every division and there are multiple guys younger than 20 whatever six years old that are playing at a very high level and again you expect them to be there for years and that's scary if you're the Colts because you don't have that and you could argue of the 16 teams uh, it looks like you are going to have a top five draft pick and again that is the good news from last night you maintain your position of fifth in the draft order you actually locked in a top 10 pick by losing last night uh, you should have an opportunity to try and get that guy but watching Justin Herbert play quarterback and watching Nick Foles play quarterback it was just a reminder of how far you have to go to find a necessary quarterback because as dynamic as Herbert is the Chargers are making the playoffs for the first time in his three years right of that's being what I mean though Kev, that's what I mean it's it's a it is not an instant flip of the switch. It takes a while. No, those right? are rare. But those if you are look rare. at if you look at the AFC right now, you look at the standings in the AFC. Okay, Buffalo, no question at their quarterback. Kansas City, no question at their quarterback. Cincinnati, no question at their quarterback. Baltimore, no question at their quarterback. The Chargers, no question at their quarterback. The Dolphins, and we can get into Tua and what I think are major concerns for him as a person with his health. But again, he's obviously played at a high level when he's been healthy this year. And then Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence coming into his own. After that, New England played more than one quarterback this year. The Jets played more than one quarterback this year. Tennessee has had to play more than one quarterback this year. Pittsburgh played more than one quarterback. I mean, there's no coincidence in the fact that the top six or seven in the AFC have solidarity at that position. Everybody else is in that rotating vat of suck, and that includes the Colts. Well, they have young solidarity too, Jake. Not correct. Old. 
Correct. You know, young, and these are first-round picks, and we have stressed that time and time again of when you continue to go Band-Aid, you continue to take the route the Colts have taken, what you do is you naturally create a low ceiling on your franchise. You could argue you've created a low ceiling in the short term, but you certainly do it in the long term. Uh, yeah, I thought Nick Foles, yeah, Foles was just, God, he was so bad. I mean, he, I guess he attempted a few more balls down the field. And, and, and just in general, timing was off. And I know some of that is not totally on Foles. But you saw that on, you know, probably two of the interceptions, uh, several throws where he looked like a guy that last week was the first week that he had, you know, practiced with uh, any uh, of that starting offense. As Jake said, we'll get to Stephen Holder a little bit later. Again, his ESPN colleague, um, I believe it was Joe Buck's wife, did that one-on-one interview with Jim Irsay. We'll play that audio coming up a little bit later. The Pacers last night in New Orleans um, sounded very, very ugly. Uh, they got off to a decent start, like the first five minutes of the game, and then that was it. Um, I would probably put that up there with one of the worst losses of the season, considering the Pelicans had no Zion Williamson, no Brandon Ingram. They were down four of their top five guys in minutes played. C.J. McCollum was the only one um, that that played that is in the top five of minutes. 113-93, the final score there. And the Pacers now come home and play tonight. Uh, they've been very good in back-to-backs for what it's worth. 4-1 and one on the year. Their starters didn't need to play the fourth quarter last night uh, with how ugly it was. But they get Nate McMillan in the Hawks. That is a 7-30 tip tonight. And that starts a stretch back at home. I think it's six of their next seven inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse. I'd like to know what you did yesterday to frolic in the sun of the 51-degree Florida weather. God, did it even get to 51? Was it that bad? Yeah, it was ugly. Today is supposed to sniff 70, so I think we're finally there, and then 80s the rest of the week. But it was a lot of uh, indoor game activities yesterday. So uh, played sorry with oh, my yeah. nephew yeah. Um, several times. So that was a big, big hit on that front. Um, played some euchre action. Yeah, a little bit of everything on the uh, on the game front yesterday. When you play sorry and you, you know, obviously get to eliminate somebody, do you make a big production out of the sorry part of it? My uh, dad was always big on that. Like, sorry! I mean, you make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I do, and then I kind of look at my nephew's face, and I feel like, God, is he about to cry? And so then, then I try to tone it down. But, but usually he is, uh, he's very demonstrative with that. He looks like Derwin James walking off the football field uh, with how he um, usually operates on that front. But, yeah, the weather does look a little bit better. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, not that it's going to be balmy in Indy, but it seems like it's going to warm up for you guys, right? Yeah, but we're not supposed to see the sun for like another, literally till March. It's going to be you know, mid-50s, but rain every day. I guess that's better than you know what they're getting in Buffalo, for example. But, you know, you're good with the bad, I guess. Um, speaking of the next, you know, the next time we see the sun, when is the next time the Colts get invited to play on national primetime television? Yeah, Ursa's got to issue an, an apology for wanting to be on national TV so much and then that's the product that you throw out there four straight games they've been in the solo time slot and that's the effort outscored 90 to 9 in the fourth quarter here under Jeff Saturday and I want to go back to that point Jake I get that Jeff Saturday was thrown into a pretty awkward difficult situation there's no denying that but when you look at the team's around Indy right now in this draft order and like I said earlier fifth in the draft position 
with the loss last night that clinches a top 10 pick. But how about Houston on the road getting a win at Tennessee? How about what the Rams did with a third different starting quarterback this year and just blasting Denver? And we can start to hit on these head coach openings now that we have three officially in the NFL, kind of rank those. But you, I would say, I, I would argue you oftentimes see this with a team and an interim head coach, of they have that one moment, or multiple moments. I mean, in Carolina's case, they are giving Steve Wilkes that as an interim head coach. But you look around the league, and you look at the bad, bad football teams. Again, Houston winning at Tennessee. What the Rams did to Denver over the weekend. The Colts sit here, and they've won one time since, what, Halloween? Isn't that a reflection on Jeff Saturday? Am I being too critical with Saturday? Like, should should we have just expected them to be god awful, like they were? I mean, honestly, I think I would argue they've been worse under him than they were with Reich. Um, was that to be expected? Was he thrown into a no win situation? And again, how do you evaluate that? Because I I don't get any sense that Jim Irsay is putting a whole lot of stock into the wins and losses and lack thereof for his football team, but. The embarrassment product, the embarrassing product that continues to be there on national television. Um, how does that not matter to you? Yeah, I think the, um, the 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 embarrassing product is an issue. The they had as many interceptions as points scored last night. The lack of adjustment after halftime is, and and you know being blatantly outscored just to a ridiculous level. I mean. There are so many it things, Kevin. I, do you know? But like, should they that matter with with Saturday? Like, how are we evaluating Jeff Saturday? Well, that's okay. I thought about this. I had an epiphany last night because I I, I literally can't for the life. You know, I kept trying to figure out why Nick Foles, right? Like, why would you go to Nick Foles? And then it dawned on me. Maybe the Colts simply realized the year is a total punt. They they can't have Matt Ryan under center because if he gets hurt, there is financial cost to them. So, But they want a quarterback that gives them the best chance to evaluate everyone else. And so that's why they're going with Nick Foles as opposed to Sam Ellinger, who because he would be learning the position on the fly, does that stunt your ability to find out the true measure of, of the other players on the offense? This is kind of grasping, admittedly, but it's the only plausible thing that I could think of, right? Foles looked worse than Ellinger. He did. I, I, I don't disagree. But, I mean, I, I can't for the life of me figure out. I really do think every time I go to an NBA game, and I say to the buddy that's sitting next to me, I go, hey, if I put you out there right now on the floor for the, for the entire game, you got to play the entire game, could you score a point? And we always debate this. Ah, we, you know, I'd get fouled at least once and hit a free throw, right? And, and likewise, if you put the three of us, Rakestraw, uh, Derek Schultz, Zach Kiefer, and Steven Holder out there on offense, we would be able to convert at least one third down, wouldn't we? At least once? Did they convert a third down last night? Boy, unless Rake's given us a 
little dive up the middle. I don't know if we're going to be able to move the chains. I'll be totally honest with you. They, they did not. For the second game this season, Jake, they did not convert a single third down. Very okay. difficult to accomplish that, that, is. that feat. Almost impossible to accomplish, okay? Which is a trend with this team. They, 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 they seem to accomplish the negative history. Okay, secondly... And, and I sent this out, and people were like, you're a moron, which is probably true. But you have $20 million invested in your guard on the left side, and you've got fourth and inches. And people are like, it's not the guard's fault that, that Nick Foles went to the right. I understand that. But should there be no question? Yeah. I thought the only way that play was going to work, literally, is if Michael Pittman were going to pick up Nick Foles and carry him over the line of scrimmage. It's, yeah, it's, um, it's a shame. And again, if you are Jim Irsay, you have to look at Chris Bauer and say, your biggest core belief failed us this season. And it's year six. Why? How? Um, is, is, is that something that should be you know, a little bit more at play here in evaluating Ballard. Because with Ursay's comments, um, whether it was a question that I asked him about two months ago now about sticking with Ballard or Michelle Buck the other day, and, and, and I think it is worth pointing out when we do play this Ursay this audio, and we can play that here coming up a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour, this interview was after the Minnesota game. Um, I, I think it's important to keep kind of timelines with this because the Colts have had so much embarrassment this season. You kind of have to keep in line of like, okay, when, when were these conversations had? Because we heard Reich, or we, we heard Ursay earlier in the year, you know, publicly back Frank Reich. And then two weeks later, after losing to a backup quarterback with a two-score lead in the fourth quarter against Washington, going to Foxborough, that was the first time this season they didn't have a third-down conversion in the game. It was their fewest yards per play in Colts franchise history here in Indianapolis. Then that's when he decided um, that enough was enough with Frank Reich. But as I've said for several weeks now, probably several months, I've always just got a different vibe with how Ursa views Ballard. And if you take him at his word right now, Chris Bauer is going to be the general manager of this football team coming up in 2023. A lot more to get to on that front. Um, some good news on the quarterback front for the Purdue Boilermakers. We touched on Brady Allen's transfer yesterday. Purdue has got a new signal caller coming from a state that has been very beneficial to them in the past and a pretty highly sought after transfer there for Ryan Walters. So we will touch on that. And as I mentioned, Nathaniel Hackett done as the head football coach of the Denver Broncos, the fifth coach in NFL history to be fired before the end of his first season. How would you rank the openings? Colts, Panthers, Broncos right now. How highly sought after will those be for coaching candidates? We'll take your call. Stephen Holder going to join us at 9 o'clock as well. Kevin Aquari here on a Tuesday morning. 93.5107.5. The fan. Last night in the association, it was the Pacers dropping 113.93 to the New Orleans Pelicans down in the Big Easy. Three-game win streak now for New Orleans. No Zion Williamson, but it didn't matter. Najee Marshall with 22. Pacers led by Benedict Mathurin with a relatively unefficient 15. Miles Turner had 14. Pacers back in action tonight, taking on Nate McMillan and Atlanta at the Fieldhouse. Rick Carlisle last night on the Pacers' struggles. Well, I thought we got stagnant at times, and our inability to get stops led to a lot of our issues on offense. Teams are really... Um, can you play really Saturday? Concentrating on Tyrese. 
keeping him out of the lane. Um, we didn't have a particularly great shooting night, you know, 25% from three, 42 from the field. So yeah, it was, a, it, just, it was a struggle. And it's not as simple as just writing it off and flushing it. The hard, the hard play elements of this game were very troubling. And we've got to fix those headed into tomorrow. Yeah, the Pacers certainly would have signed up for 2-1 and one on this three-game road trip with Boston and Miami, but still an ugly performance last night in New Orleans. Speaking of ugly, that was certainly the case inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. 20-3 to last night. The Colts lose to the Chargers. Chargers clinch a playoff berth. The Colts clinch a top-10 draft pick, so... And I can kind of hang a banner for that one. Uh, fifth right now in the draft order with two games to go. It'll be in New York with the Giants on New Year's Day coming up. And then home to the Texans to close out the season. Nick Foles got his first start last night. The offense still looked like the Colts offense in 2022. Here was Jeff Saturday afterwards on the loss. You know, pretty pretty simple. Can't turn it over. Got to convert on third downs offensively. Get them off the field. Um, and, you know, can't leave the defense on the field but when they are. they got to get off on third down. So didn't do enough to, to get it done. And, uh, unfortunately, that's the way it turns out. Uh, college football news from yesterday. At the end of the show, we had mentioned that Brady Allen, the star recruit that entered Purdue a year ago, is now transferring. The quarterback, of course, with Aiden O'Connell headed to the NFL. That left some questions. Turns out there might have been a reason that he knew that it might have been time to get out of West Lafayette because Hudson – Card, who is a top-flight recruit from 2020 at Texas. Over the course of his career in Austin, 1,523 yards and 11 touchdowns, he's completed 65.5% of his passes and has three years of eligibility, but has been kind of cycled himself through the transfer portal. So he has announced that he will be the signal caller at Purdue. Presumably he will become the starting quarterback. He has three years of eligibility for the Boilermakers once he arrives. Again. Makes sense there with you look at um, their depth chart. Quinn Ewers, of course, transferring from Ohio State, and then what you have with Arch Manning coming in this year. On the bowl game front, we've got four today. That starts at noon. Wisconsin, Oklahoma State will round out the bowl schedule tonight. The guaranteed rate bowl, that's out in Arizona. So would that have been called the Micron PC back in the day or like the Insight Bowl? I think that's the, well, the Copper Bowl, right? And then the Insight. Bowl. The last Didn't bowl you game they, the Copper Bowl one that time? Was the last bowl game they won. They beat Baylor. I think it was 38-0 with Vaughn Dunbar back in 1991. So we pretty much have three or four bowl games each day this week. And then um, looking ahead to Saturday, that is when the semifinal games will occur. And for those that want Jim Harbaugh to be the Colts head coach, I think you would want the Mason <laughs> Blue to get on a run here. Uh in the playoff college basketball poll uh obviously not a lot of movement with kind of a quiet time for college basketball purdue yukon houston kansas arizona that's your top five third straight week the boilermakers are at number one they'll get back in action thursday with florida a&m and that will be their final game until they get back into the big 10 slate when we come back you had mentioned saturday we'll get into jeff saturday along with other topics as we analyze the Colts from last night and kind of look forward a little bit on what this means. Kevin, I want your thoughts on some of the comments from Jim Mersey. We'll play those as well. Stephen Holder at 9 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Good morning to you. It's Kevin and Query here, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Fifth straight loss on Monday Night Football for the Colts. Again, apologies to those in the national TV audience having to witness this product here over the last month. Uh, 4-10-1 now on the year. Uh, Jim Irsay was pretty active pregame in terms of a chat with ESPN that aired on the Monday night telecast. So just to reiterate, this conversation occurred after the Vikings game, uh, but obviously before last night. And and Jake, he, um, first off, I think credit to, uh, is a Michelle Beisner buck? Yes. Okay, she. Um, I thought she asked some very direct questions and kind of hit all three of the big ones coming up here this offseason. That was GM, head coach, and quarterback related. And I thought, um, I thought it was a really well done interview. And I'm uh, curious how fans will react to these answers. I, I thought, first off, I didn't realize that that was Joe Buck's wife, to be honest with you, but. I thought it was interesting coming out of the interview. Uh, Joe Buck spent like a minute and a half. I mean, not literally, but did anybody else notice how he kind of went like out of his way to be con- overly con- like thankful to Jim Irsay for doing the interview? Did you, you know, a lot of owners wouldn't mm-hmm. do that. And thank you so much for doing it. And it was such a kind interview for Jim Irsay to give his time. And a lot of owners don't give their time, but Jim Irsay did. And it was really appreciated. And it was wonderful that he did it. Cause a lot of, and it was like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's wrong, but he, I'm sure no. there's a little bit of reason behind that. Yeah, I agree I, that he, and, and you're right. He is correct. I mean, that is credit to Jim Irsay who Jim Irsay to me, Kevin is, I think a fascinating individual because someone said it on on Twitter to me and I think it was a really good point that simply said you know my concern about Chris Ballard this is what someone said to me but I echo this so you could say my thought as well is that Chris Ballard by continuing with the Chris Ballard regime I think there are those that would hope that what you would get is, in fact, an authoritarian figure that has enough clout league-wide and experience within the position to be able to, even though he is the owner, usurp the opinion or the input of Jim Ursay, like a Bill Polian did, and have Ursay just kind of sit back and watch the results as opposed to interjecting himself. Not that Ursay per se, doesn't understand football. But I just think that the the more voices you have in the room sometimes, the harder it becomes to hear the message. And I think what you have with the Colts right now, just my opinion, 
is the perception at least that you have a franchise that is being run from multiple with multiple agendas and you just kind of don't you don't really know what the direction is it just seems to be like an aimless direction right now but in terms of the two big questions who is going to be the head coach of the Colts who is going to be the general manager of the Colts for next season because I think at this point we we ripped the band-aid off this year and look to next season to your point Kevin she asked very direct questions and Jim Mersey did not necessarily hesitate on his answers here's how it sounded last night on ESPN television we're having this conversation in six months you and I get to sit down and chat who's your head coach who's your GM who's your quarterback Head coach is unknown until the interview process goes forward. I will go into it seriously open-minded and I'll be looking for the best direction for us to win. Jeff, I believe, is an outstanding candidate, so obviously, you know, he's competitive for that. You know, Chris Ballard will be our general manager, and the quarterback, it's very much up in the air right now on on what direction we'll be going. This journey, uh, you know, keeps going, and, and I'm all in for it. My thought on that is the following. And Kevin, I want your opinion on this. Um, I do believe, as I have for a while now, because I know that there is precedent for Jim Mercer's mind to change or for his message to not be followed up as what happens. I mean, we know, you know, when Grigson, for that matter, I recall distinctly, distinctly, when Jim Caldwell was fired, John Clayton was on the air on ESPN doing a stand-up that Chris that Jim Caldwell had been retained. Mike Chappell, I believe, I, I, I'm not going to throw Chapp under the bus. I know for a fact, I mean, I said on the radio, Jim Caldwell is being retained. And then, like an hour later, he got fired. The messages, you know, there were... With Grigson and Pagano, I can't remember which one, Kevin, you would remember better than I, but there was one where, you know, he was like, no, you know, that's, we're, we're staying the course, whatever, and they made it, they made a change. So his mind can change, but I do believe, as you had said, Kevin, I, I believe that he believes in Chris Ballard. I don't know whether that's because he, he sees something in him, which may be the case, or if it's because he knows that's a general manager that allows Jim Mercer to continue to make decisions. I don't know which. All I know is, I hate to be Debbie Downer for Colts fans, but I just don't see light at the end of the tunnel, Kevin. I don't because the quarterback position is the most important in sports, as you'd mentioned, and I just don't think there's a guarantee. I, I don't, and and I don't, I don't see the weapons around. As I said last night, when you look at the fact that you went from Matt Ryan to Sam Ellinger back to Matt Ryan to Nick Foles and nothing has changed, that means that either – the Colts are not very good at evaluating quarterback or the Colts are not very good at putting pieces around the quarterback that they believe in. It's one of the two. Or both. Or both. Or both. And, and those yeah. are troubling places to be, Kevin. Yeah, I, I would argue both. Um, I think one, one thing to note GM-related, uh, the firing of Ryan Grigson occurred pretty deep into January. This was not like a Black Monday fire. Um, this was not a, a season-ended, boom, the GM's out. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was 
two, maybe even three weeks into January before Jim Mercer made that move. Uh, and again, Chris Bowett is under contract through 2026. So technically, you know, there doesn't need to be any sort of public announcement or extension or anything like that um, on the Ballard front. Of those three answers, Jake, you know, believes Jeff Saturday is an outstanding candidate. He's going to be competitive for the head coaching job. Chris Ballard's going to be back in 2023. And I thought the quarterback answer was he certainly didn't commit to the future. He didn't commit long term. Uh, you know, he pretty much said a quarterback's very much up in the air and what direction we will be going. If you were a Colts fan, what, what would frighten you the most out of those three answers? GM, head coach, or quarterback? And how Ursa answered those? Well, quarterback, to me, is the, the safest answer that he gave. You know, hey, that's still under evaluation. I, basically, what he says there, you know, he doesn't know what player it's going to be in the draft, but that seems to – I mean, if it's Matt Ryan, he would have said, well, Matt Ryan's our quarterback. That would be troublesome to me. The fact if it was that Matt says, Ryan, I just would have – I would have ran out to the Atlantic, right? Or uh, I think we're on the <laughs> golf side, actually, and just ran into the golf. You know, yeah, I – if it's Matt Ryan, that tells you what you need to know right there. He, he's They're going to go into the draft, right? But um, he didn't say that. But he did. Because the quarterback is very much up in the air right now what direction we'll be going. It, it, he didn't throw in, hey, we need to look at the long term. We see how the AFC is trending. Any of those but, things. And this is the guy, Jake, that but, has signed Kevin, off on Chris Ballard's plan at quarterback, which I have all, and you, you and I have had this conversation, I've always found that odd that Ursay has been so willing to see his franchise go with this Band-Aid stopgap route. That's not at all the sort of success the franchise has achieved under his ownership, and yet he has signed off on Chris Bauer doing that. Again, when he didn't say, though, he didn't say Matt Ryan's name. There's no other choice. I guess to your point, Kevin, it could be that you're going back to the, you know, somebody said last Derek night. Carr. You know what's interesting? I thought about this last night. Follow me here. My, this is a, a random Jake Query two in the morning brain dropping during insomnia. Wouldn't it be coincidental? Can you imagine like being your neighbors and knowing this is going on. <laughs> <laughs> like the pork chops right mark yeah that's bad meat sorry i'll try to keep it down by the, by the way mark what is this picture of of i, I feel like it's a nice tie though is that a nice knot I that know, I, I tied I, there? I googled kevin bowen and one that popped up was kevin bowen nfl combine so did you wear that at the combine one year it does look like i'm in one of those ballrooms over at uh at the convention center yeah why i mean it's a troubling picture yeah i don't know what's going on there on the youtube well, chat well, it's certainly, a, it, it's, it's got to be a screen grab. There's no way I would have looked like that for a picture. <laughs> yeah, I don't think somebody said, hey, post, and that's what you looked like. I think, that yeah. was my reaction to over 10 on third down last night. Jake, sorry, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Two, play. Two yeah, I, remember, last night. I remember when Kelvin Sampson was hired as the head basketball coach at Indiana. And he was hired as the head basketball coach at Indiana after Mike Davis had departed. And about midway through his introductory press conference, I thought to myself, you know what? Kelvin Sampson took Oklahoma to a Final Four where he lost to Mike Davis. So Indiana has hired a coach who, in his biggest moment and his biggest game at his previous stop, lost to the coach that he's replacing. And then I thought to myself, wouldn't it be an odd coincidence if 
Jeff Saturday or the Colts will lose out here. Jeff Saturday's retained, and then they hire Derek Carr, and you think to yourself, so they've gone out and jettisoned Matt Ryan to replace him with the quarterback that's the only one that Jeff Saturday was able to beat as a head coach in his interim stint. It's Kelvin Sampson all over again. That's yeah, the- that would that'd be very fitting. <laughs> I Actually, I do like Derek Carr, but I did see a great stat. Derek Carr is just the third quarterback uh, in NFL history to lose nine or more games in six con- or in six different seasons in their tenure as a quarterback. Do you think Ursay's belief in Ballard is because Ursay wants to believe in what he originally believed in? Yes, 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 yes. yes. I believe that Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay is a guy. He's a loyal guy to an extent. And I mean, we all want to be right to a degree. I Correct. mean, let's not act like Ursay is on an island with that. Kevin, I'm going to say this for the 50th time probably. I remember when I was a kid sitting at Hillcrest Country Club and Jim Irsay, who was a member there, was sitting by the pool and was super nice and gregarious and talked to everybody there. And I thought to myself, that's the general manager of the Indianapolis Colts. And quite frankly, that might have been his greatest signature moment as a general manager because the things that he did from a GM in, from a from a transactional standpoint were regrettable. He traded multiple first-round picks for Freddie Young, who had a blown-out shoulder and could barely pass a physical. You know, the Dickerson trade was a cool thing, but they wanted with Rod Meyer to run the wishbone and relive the glory days and get the band back together. You know, the the same things you see now, the nostalgia for the glory years for Jim Irsay. I truly believe the only thing in football that Jim Irsay had his thumbprint on where he wasn't – where it didn't go well was when he was the general manager and I truly believe that Jim Irsay still is trying to exercise the demons of poor decisions and failed executions when he was in charge of the day-to-day operations of the football team from a personnel standpoint and so therefore I think that he probably stands by people too long at times because he is hell-bent and steadfast on showing that he made the right decisions in the people that he put in place, all because he is being overcompensatory for an insecurity of an area where the last time he had those decisions, they didn't pan out. Well, you know, he kind of said that to um, ESPN last night about Frank Reich. He called it a reluctance now in giving Reich that extension. But at the time, he's calling Reich and Ballard, you know, the best head coach GM duo in the league. I I think on the Ballard front, Jake, and I know we're up against it a bit, if you were to bring in like a third party that knew very little about, you know, NFL GM operations, I guess, in the NFL, and they were to ask, okay, what does your general manager believe in? And you explain to them, you know, offensive line trenches, and then you showed them the results of the offensive line in the trenches this season, that third party would be like, ooh, well, that's not very good if that's what that person believes in, and that's the actions of the investments that have been put into that group. And then the other part of it would be that that is your blueprint. Like, that's what you believe in. You look around the league, 
and the majority of teams that are having a high level of success choose to build their operation in a different way. I think if you looked at those two things, and again, separate yourself from it. Excuse me. <laughs> Y'all right there? We we can't see Kevin, so <laughs> I think he getting choked did up. You, did you swallow your water down the wrong pipe? I know Nick Foles played bad, but not enough to get all emotional about it. I almost feel like here's the problem, just so people know. Kevin being down in Florida was no problem yesterday because we had the the Microsoft Teams and I could see Kevin. We we don't have that this morning, so as a result, we can't. Like he, I mean, he might be choking. I, I'm here. <laughs> push, a, push a button if you need us to call. You want me to text gosh. Maddie and tell her to check on should, you? Should we get I'm life here. alert for you? <laughs> can, like swallowed a frog here. <laughs> as you were. Yeah. Um, I kind of forget where I was. Third party. We all yeah, do. Something, something on that front. Are we up against it? Yeah, I think you could take a break here. I think you're fine. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, I'd like to know what other people think about last night's performance as well in the direction of the Colts, so we'll do that. Stephen Holder is going to join us at 9 o'clock, but we'll take your phone calls in the next hour as well. We also have our fan tweets like of the Nick game Foles to get to. I feel like scrambling right now. I'm barely alive right now. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, is Matt Ryan and Nick Foles all wrapped into one here on a Tuesday? We'll get into some Pacers. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Chat here coming up in just a couple of minutes. Also, would like your phone calls on your thoughts on last night. Jake Query along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. Uh, Kevin hanging by a thread after uh, errantly drinking a swig of coffee or something that went down the wrong pipe this morning, but happy to report that during the break he checked in. He is still with us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Salt water. <laughs> I, yeah, I actually just went right. out to the golf, Jake. Yeah, I just, you know, I we said it earlier. <laughs> I was like, you know what? I might run in there. I, I tweeted last night, and I mean this in all seriousness. Who wins a race, Nick Foles or Matt Ryan? Oh, boy. Probably Nick Foles, right? Did you see the one play last night where, like, he started to scramble, and then all of a sudden, like, him and the Chargers defender, they, like, hugged each other? It was a very awkward, like, two-hand touch moment. There were holidays. There were a lot of awkward moments last night. And that's, you know, I'll tell you who I felt really bad for. As I was watching that, and I mentioned earlier, I mean, I sat through. Well, yeah. I sat through a lot of bad Colts football in the 80s and 90s and there were there were so many times that people were excited for Monday night football at the RCA Dome and yet there were so many just uh games I mean I remember the 9-6 game with Buffalo the 31 nothing game against San Diego in 93 the Giants came in in 90 and it was like 24-7 and you were just thinking to yourself like is anybody anywhere watching this game outside of Indianapolis, right? And that's what it felt like last night. I truly felt bad, Kevin. I was thinking about 
the number of people, and kudos and credit to the city of Indianapolis for, for showing up last night for that game. But all I could think about was the number of people that were in the stands that, like in August, there were people out there that when the schedule came out or whenever the schedule came out, they were like, you know what? The night after Christmas, oh yeah, the 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 rising L.A. Chargers and Justin Herbert, and you know the juggernaut Playoff offense, implications on the line, right? Like the Colts, the, you know, they're probably this might be the game where they clinch the division. Home field might be in play. I'm going to spend $275 a piece and buy Uncle Jim stocking stuffer two tickets to the Colts game. Like that's. I, I am so excited. And then literally Uncle Jim opened those up and was like, oh, thanks. And, and then had to go down. I got a big presentation on Tuesday. I don't know if I can make it. <laughs> this is seriously. awkward. I mean, seriously. I, I felt bad for the number of people that the money that was spent to go watch a huge pile of crap, which is all that was. It was terrible. It was bad football. Just bad football. Well, and Jake, I don't know about you, but I was reminded of last night where the franchise has gone in the last 12 months. Think about this same week last year. Um, The Colts had one of the finer wins I think the franchise has had in quite some time in Arizona on Christmas, missing several important players due to COVID and got themselves on the brink of playoff clinching. And since then... In losing to the Raiders, losing to the Jags to end last season, you've won four of 17 games. Four of 17. And I believe the offense has scored more than a touchdown in less than half of those games. Um, That's pretty humbling to think that in 12 months you've gone there. And the continued questions are obviously there at quarterback. Pass rusher, um, left tackle in terms of long term, and, and I should say edge rusher because a guy that I do want to mention, Jake, who I think has played pretty good football for you the last month and was really important last night in making a couple of plays is Dio Adengbo. Um, I think he's shown you something here in year two. Again, had the Achilles injury, so you knew that year one is mostly going to be a red shirt. But if you look at that defensive line group, I mean, Stewart, Buckner, studs. And, and what Dio Dengbo has given you, and I think a little bit more, you continue to see now he's back from injury, from Quiddy Pay, you do like what you see uh, from that defensive line group. You know, I realize this, this isn't a possibility, but what would be ideal for the Colts? If Chris Ballard is going to be retained, kudos to Chris Ballard in this area. We, I, I kick Chris Ballard a lot, okay? But in terms of the defensive side of the ball, Chris Ballard has done has found some talent and drafted deep- great at linebacker. Correct. And I would say that the Gilmore signing was outstanding. I totally agree. On the defensive side of the ball, I don't think anybody has issue with the Colts. That defense last night played well. They played hard. They just, you know, they ran out of gas and, and probably out of spirit, quite frankly. Right. But if they could bring in, and I'm just talking pipe dream here, like a Jim Harbaugh, and have an agreement that listen. For this year's draft, we're going to draft offensive players, and we are putting that in. You are in charge of it. You are in charge of offensive personnel. Chris Ballard will build the, has built the defense. We will let you do offensive personnel. 
you might have something there. Now, I mean, that's a pipe dream. That's never going to happen. Sounds like the dreamiest ego situation of all time. Correct. It's never going to happen. But in a perfect situation, it feels like that's what needs to happen because the defense does show promise and solidarity, and the offense is totally inept. And they have spent where Ballard has erred is spending money offensively in the areas that just have not gotten ROI. Notably, Quentin Nelson, again, I'm not saying he's not a great player, but he's not a $20 million player, and that money should have been spent in other areas and other situations. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be a big decision. So there are a lot of things that offensively, in other words, I trust Chris Ballard defensively at this point. I do. I don't offensively. I just don't care. I would say edge rusher has been the one area, you know, from a draft standpoint where he has struggled. But to your point, um, been really, really sound on that side of the ball um, at at, at different levels and different parts of the draft. I mean, you continue to see Zaire Franklin as a seventh-round pick and think, uh, boy, that's a great, great find. Um, And feel free to jump in on this one too, Mark. We now have three head coach openings here with two weeks to go in the season. Uh, Denver joined the fray yesterday, rock bottom over the weekend for the Broncos. Again, I mentioned it earlier, fifth head coach in NFL history to be fired before the end of year one. Urban Meyer, of course, last year. That is Nathaniel Hackett. How are you guys ranking how attractive those openings are. Carolina, Indy, Denver. Rank them most attractive to least. Okay, Carolina, Indy, Denver, right? Yep, those are the three right now. Okay. Boy, I would put probably Denver has a huge question mark because of Russell Wilson. That's the only drawback that I see in Denver, quite frankly. Because they have a it's it, it's a great franchise, great place to live, and I do think that John Elway has some competence about him. I you know but Russell Wilson, man, that's a huge, huge, huge arbitrage around your neck, right? Indianapolis I think has intrigue except for that, I'll be honest, Kevin and I don't mean this to kick the guy, but I think there are coaches that would be concerned at this point over Jim Ar- Jim Mercer's involvement or over-involvement. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, Carolina, you got the same quarterback situation. Indian Carolina, for coaches, it all comes down to who's the quarterback, right? Who am I, who am I going to be coaching at quarterback? For example, if if the job were to come open, Houston, I think, would be more intriguing than any of those because they've got the number one overall pick and somebody's going to be like, hey, all right, cool, let's go. So I would probably say in that order, Carolina would be one based on the fact that they are trending in the right direction. Then I think Indy and Denver are kind of a wash because of the Russell Wilson situation. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think... I think Carolina is number one because you also get a top 10 pick. They're currently eighth. So you get a top 10 pick there. You can overhaul that roster, whereas the Colts, they should have, they will have a top 10 pick as well. The Broncos, not only do you have the Russell Wilson thing, you have no first-round pick because that's going to Seattle. So right. you're stuck with a quarterback, and if you want to go get a quarterback, it's going to be luck, really right? hard yeah. to go get one. So I would rank, rank it Carolina, Indianapolis, Denver. Boy, I, I think I would actually put the Colts one. Um... I'd go Colts, 
Panthers Broncos. Now, the ownership element that Jake brings up is necessary to bring up. Uh, Denver and Carolina, both very new ownership. Denver, very new with the Walton family and Carolina, Dave Tepper. Uh, this will be what? Just his second head coach that he has hired. Um, so I think that is something you would factor in. If you look at Carolina, their cap situation is not as beneficial as where the Colts are. I think the Colts are still decent from a cap standpoint. Carolina is a little bit worse with that. And the Colts right now, their pick is higher than Carolina. Um, it, it's probably pretty close, but I think I'd put Indy slight. I don't. I just don't look at Carolina's roster and think, can anyone name like three Panthers players? Uh, you're right, but they at least... You know, Carolina they are was somewhat a, competent in a what is it vat of suck? You always say, Jake. <laughs> That's right, Carolina. I mean, Kevin, this sounds crazy to say, but think about this: Carolina was an Arizona collapse away this past Sunday from taking control in their division. Well, if they went out, don't they win the division? I, I think that's right. I mean, which I'm again, at it, it is more a byproduct of the division that you play in more than anything. I would put Denver third. I mean, you guys laid out the reasons for that. Uh, no first-round pick of their own. I, I, I do think they have a late first-rounder with the Bradley Chubb trade. but um, And obviously, the Russell Wilson thing looks pretty broken to me. We'll, we'll see if somebody thinks that that's fixable. But also, just contractually, I mean, you have invested so much into him. Again, draft pick-wise... It's not um, ideal at all. You, you know, a name for Denver, and I don't know, maybe I'm looking a little bit too much in the Peyton Manning tree, but I'm curious if Jim Caldwell's name would pop up in Denver at all. I think Caldwell's name could pop If he's interested in coaching, I think his name should pop up in places, right? Does Peyton have more influence in the Denver hire or the Indy hire? Oh, I would say Denver. Denver. Boy, don't you think Ursay values? I mean, what's his relationship with the Walton family? Well, the difference. I think Ursay, if if Peyton told Ursay, yeah, hire this person, and I'll show up to a few more games next year, he'd hire him. But the difference being this, Kevin, I think that Peyton would voice his opinion to Denver unsolicited. I think yeah, Peyton would point. wait for Indianapolis to ask his opinion. One of the caveats should be that he has to do a Manning cast of a Colts game. You can make the decision, but do a Colts game happen. and a cast. I know. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of the dotted uh, line. What what other? Uh, sorry, do we have do we have callers, Jake? You want to get to? No, I was going to ask you a, a totally separate question, but go ahead. I, I was just going to throw in there. What other openings are we expecting? I mean, again, we got three right now: Carolina, Indian, Denver. Do we think Arizona? Yes, I think Arizona. Okay. Texans and Raiders. That that those would be next on my list potentially. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, Houston, you would think, right? But, I mean, Houston's starting to play a little better, I guess. And th- those would be firings of, you know, first-year head coaches in Lovey Smith in Houston and Josh McDaniels with, with, with the Raiders. Outside of those guys, I don't – I mean, I, I know there's always a surprise, but nothing jumps out off the page at, at me. You always wonder how long Pete Carroll's going to be there, right? I mean, could could he at any point? Good point. Yeah. yeah, I'm good. You know, I mean, and that's that job is of some intrigue. What about Todd Bowles? Do we feel like he's safe with the way Tampa's played? They yeah, that's. I feel like that's a dark horse one. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that that is a good one. And I don't know how much 
How intriguing is that job, though, when you consider that? I mean, they're back; they're in the same quarterbacking situation, right? I mean, who do they go with? Yeah, I mean, they got Kyle Trask, but I don't think anybody's looking at him like, right. boom, here's the uh, here's the future or anything. You know, this job's not going to open up. But Mark, what is the overall tenor in Chicago on the job that Eberflus has done? Uh, I think. Most people like what Eberflus has done. It's been more of a well. Look at the roster. Look what they're dealing with. Like right. it's, it's a patient. They feel like they situation. feel like a more. I mean, three and twelve, but they don't feel that way. No, I told my. Like, dad, they don't feel totally incompetent. I told my dad at at Christmas time. I said I've enjoyed this three and eleven season more than I did the year that they went to the when they were the last team to make the playoffs and they played the Saints with Trubisky and Nagy. I feel more confident and excited about this season than I have that one because this one you, you feel like you have the quarterback now <laughs> and all that. I know. Nothing sums up a Bears fan more than what Mark just said <laughs> yeah. right there. Can I we clip it? that? Because it looks like we got the quarterback to go and now you just got to build the pieces. You got a full complement of draft picks. You got over $100 million in cap space. Now build around Justin Fields. Mark, I would like I, to know, I, or uh, excuse me, Kevin, I would like to know if you are holding off now on the building of the Benedict Matherin statue. Uh, we, we, we've taken time away for the holidays, as I think many people um, do this, this time of year. Uh, to your point, the efficiency has definitely struggled here as of late. Um, so, yes, I, I, I would say right now we're just, we're just on hold. I mean, the weather's kind of crummy. It's not really a time of year to build a statue anyway. Have so. you considered making it a Tyrese Halliburton statue now? Boy, I said it you know, yesterday. I, there is some, There are levels of star in the NBA, and no, is he a superstar? No, but Tyrese Halliburton is a damn good basketball player, and it's not just a, I'm going to be one of the best assist men every night in the NBA. It's, I can score at a really, really high level. Um, and I, I just... I feel like he carries himself a little bit more like a number one guy than I maybe thought, which is impressive because that's not really his basketball background. You know, he wasn't some heralded recruit coming out of Wisconsin, went to Iowa State. It's not like they went on deep tournament runs with him, you know, averaging 18 a game or anything like that. He wasn't even really the lead guy or the lead guy or two in Sacramento. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, time away for the holidays is how I would like to sum it up. You I know. Here's the thing about Halliburton. Halliburton's a great player. And he is probably an all-star player this year. He's a very good player and an all-star player. But to be a true great player, there has to be consistency night in and night out. And I'm not saying you're entitled to a night off, don't get me wrong. But it's got to be sustained in terms of just the efficiency probably with more than like a night off every third or every fourth. I, I think he's wonderful, don't get me wrong, and and I would take him over most players in the league. But I just, that's a maturity thing. You know what I mean? That's just a that's just an acclamation in the league thing of being the guy that defenses are honing in on, and he's done a remarkable job. Last night he did not have a great game. Matherin did not shoot the ball particularly well, let him in fi- with 15, but uh, – you know, their offensive efficiency last night just was not there, and that's that's how you lose. I mean, last night might be the worst loss of the season. Yeah. I mean, you lose by 20 to a team that's that's missing their biggest piece. You're going to have that. their top five guys, Jake. They, they were missing four of their top five in minutes played. The disappointment there is that offsets. You get the, the wins, the two in a row in Boston and Miami. Those are two you, you, know, you probably didn't expect to get either one of them. So you cancel one of those out, so to speak. Uh, certainly, you got to bounce back tonight against Atlanta. 
they got a chance here to get some decent footing. I mean, you got four in a row at home: Atlanta, Cleveland, the Clippers, and then Toronto for Indiana. I didn't, I didn't realize Atlanta had the Holiday Brothers. Do they have two of them? Yeah, Aaron and uh, Justin are back with Nate McMillan. You know, it's Aaron Holiday. The thing about Aaron Holiday is, I think Aaron Holiday was brought here originally to be with the thought in mind that he would be the point, and in reality, he is an undersized two. He's a, he's he's got fine skill. He's just he is the guard version of a tweener, if that makes sense. Um, but Atlanta, you know, same right there with the Pacers, right? Seventeen, sixteen, similar, similar deal. Uh, should be fun tonight. I mean, Trey Young is obviously an exciting player, and we'll see what happens at the Fieldhouse tonight. Jeremy points this out. I think this is a good note here. Um, if the Chargers playoff game goes bad, they will fire Brandon Staley and hire Sean Payton. I think there's a lot of NFL chatter around a Sean Payton Justin Herbert pairing. That's the thing is Sean Payton. Sean Payton's going to want to go. You know, they talked about it last night in the broadcast. Sean Payton holds all the cards, right? And he's going to want to go somewhere that has quarter that has solidarity at the quarterback position. Plain and simple, right? A team would have to trade for him, right? He's still yes. in contract with the Saints. Yep. Is he? Is he th- for one more year? Okay, then yeah. After this, yeah. Yeah, I am very curious, Mark, how all that plays out. Yeah, same here. You know, watching those quarterbacks play last night, Justin Herbert was 7.30 varsity, and Nick Foles was 6 o'clock JV. It it was just – it was another reminder of just how far the Colts are away at that position. And it's not like Herbert had a great, great game. He really didn't, but just the throws he makes – like. When the Colts got behind the chains, it was like, oh, yeah, Nick Foles is going to get sacked again. When the Chargers got behind the chains, it's like, oh, yeah, they could still convert this. Well, he's got some weapons to throw to as well. but Yeah, Keenan Allen, pretty good player, and so is your uh, Clemson guy, Mike yeah, Williams. Mike Williams, big target. I, and, I just and, think and the arm part. talent. I mean, I, arm talent is – I always laughed at that term. And I was he's like, got what the it, hell Jake. is arm talent? And then you see Patrick Mahomes and you see Justin Herbert, and you go, okay, I get it. Like ESPN to that slow-mo of one of the balls he threw over the middle. I mean, it was the definition of a spiral. Yeah. yeah. He, whereas, whereas the Colts have these wounded ducks. Sounds like my voice at the end of last segment. <laughs> you, you, you audibly showed us what it looks like with Nick Foles and Matt Ryan at quarterback. That is. It was crazy. one of those moments where like, I could feel it fading, but I'm like, you know what? We're, all, we're up against it. I feel like I can make it to the end of the break, and then, boy, I just uh, just tripped and fell. What we needed the last time that Kevin got choked up was to simply bail him out with a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We'll begin with college football, actually. Good news for Purdue Boilermaker fans after yesterday's disappointment when Brady Allen announced that he was entering the transfer portal. It was not long after that when word started percolating that perhaps there was something behind that, and then we found out what it was because Hudson Card who was a top recruit at Texas in 2020, one of the top 40 players in high school football, landed with the prominent Texas program, and then he himself got squeezed out a little bit because of the transfer from Ohio State, Quinn Ewers, coming in and taking over the starting spot. So now Hudson Card, also knowing that Arch Manning is on his way to Austin, has decided to take his talents elsewhere, and that elsewhere is West Lafayette. 1,523 passing yards, 11 touchdowns over... 
three years that he played, well, three seasons that he's been in Texas, but he's a redshirt sophomore. So he's got three years of eligibility, 65.5% completion percentage at his time with the Longhorns. I think it's good work by Purdue. I know Notre Dame had some interest in him. 11 TDs, two interceptions. Like you said, Jake, really highly recruited coming out of college and seems to fit what Graham Harrell wants to do there offensively. Sticking on the college front, the bowl schedule picks up big time this week. Four games today. They start at noon. The nightcap, it's a late one from Arizona, Wisconsin, and Oklahoma State. Notre Dame plays coming up this Friday. That is the Gator Bowl against South Carolina. You've got Jake's Tigers. That's Friday night, right, Jake? That Clemson, is correct. Tennessee? Yep. And then uh, the semifinal games coming up this Saturday, Michigan TCU. And then the nightcap, of course, Georgia and the Ohio State. Got to throw in that heat, don't you? Uh, NBA tonight, it is the Hawks and the Pacers. That's a 7.30 tip again. Indiana last night losing by 20 in New Orleans. Other games tonight, L.A. is in Orlando to take on the Magic. Houston and Boston to take on the Celtics. Denver and Sacramento, the late night uh, 10 o'clock tip along with Charlotte and Golden State. Pretty decent slate of games tonight in the association. Mark, if you don't mind, cue up that Nick Foles audio. Last night, Nick Foles under center for the Colts. It went horrifically. Three interceptions for him. <laughs> the Colts scored three points. They were 0 for 10 on third down. I, I'm trying to think the moment where I ever thought the Colts were going to score a touchdown, and I can't say there was one. Did you guys have? Am I missing one? I mean, the Chase McLaughlin field goal was pretty far. It was almost 50. Where would the Colts be without Chase McLaughlin, by the way? <laughs> Not very far. Uh, after they got that first, when they got that interception, was like, what was it, like four plays and three interceptions or whatever it was? When they got that interception off of Herbert, I was like, well, maybe they'll score. And then they didn't do anything. Oh, there was. They, they did get a couple turnovers, like in Chargers territory. Yeah. And then completely didn't do anything. I'm scrolling through here the box score. Was the 12 yard line, is that the furthest the Colts got? Did they, didn't, they didn't have a snap inside the 10. Does that sound right? Yeah, because they went for a couple fourth, you know, they went for it on fourth down a couple times and just didn't get it. Obviously, that awful decision to have Nick Foles run up the up, up the middle and get zero yardage. By the way, is, is Rodrigo Blankenship anywhere now? Yeah, the fourth and one from the 12 mark. Um, last, was he with Arizona? But then I feel like he got signed somewhere. Oh, Maybe. Inju- injury settlement with Arizona. But but then I feel like he got signed somewhere, Jake. And for some reason, Minnesota's popping in my head. But I'm thinking, why does Minnesota need a kicker after what Greg Joseph just did? Well, it says on October, this is according to Wikipedia, which is all-knowing, he was elevated to the main roster against the New Orleans Saints for uh, Arizona. He made two field goals, one from 50 yards and two of three extra points. Yeah, he then went to the practice points. squad the next day and was signed to the active roster again on October 26th. But on November 2nd, he was waived with an injury settlement. And he's nowhere? And he's nowhere. Well, I'm sure he's somewhere, just not playing anymore. Well, and you talk about Christmas season with Legos. Boy, Hot Rod's got to be in heaven right now. <laughs> he is somewhere waiting to see the Georgia Bulldogs playing in the college football playoff. Again, here was Nick Foles last night on the 20-3 to defeat. Yeah, I mean, anytime there's change, uh, you step in, you try to get acclimated as soon as you can and, you know, get the timing down and everything. We had a really good week of practice, and, you know, obviously the execution um, wasn't at the level that we needed to win this game. 
Um, and, you know, that that's unfortunate. That's sort of been we, – we haven't done a good enough job this year. Um, and it, this one was a tough one. Um, you know, the guys are fighting every single play, giving everything they have, and um, we just fell short. The third worst passer rating of Nick Foles' career last night. Uh, I think we think of passer rating like, oh, yeah, if you have a really good game, it's like around 100. for Nick Foles, and as Jake mentioned earlier, that was his algebra grade one time in Washington Township. (laughs) That is correct. He sounds like a mixture, by the way, of Austin Crozier and Alexander Rossi. Am I the only person uh, that thinks How about the Rossi car getting some play last night? Did you see that? I did not. They, uh, I think they went over to the museum and, uh, and showed some of the cars. Oh, nice. I did notice that one of the bumper shots, that's a TV term, coming out of the break, the video that they showed, um, clearly was the stock footage because I'm like, look at how bright, like, lit up the city was, and there was no one downtown yesterday, right? So that had to have been like an old video that they had of downtown Indianapolis. The city looked good, and again, kudos to the fans that showed up because that was not a great product. Everybody knew it was going to be a bad game. And Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, people were there to, to celebrate the holidays and the city itself, but not a great performance for the Colts. When we come back, I want to read some of the fan tweets of the game. Mark sent it out. You said that you basically sent out the tweet and went right back to bed, right, Mark? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't feeling too great yesterday, so I was peaked one eye open. I was like, let me send this show tweet out real quick. But we did have some good fan tweets of the game. We will read those and Stephen Holder joins us in 30 minutes. It's Kevin and Query on a Tuesday. Good morning to you. 93.5107. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Five the fan. Good Tuesday morning to you. Thanks for tuning in to Kevin and Query here on 93.5-1075 The Fan. Stephen Holder going to join us at the top of the hour. Again, for those that missed it, Jim Mersey. Um, you know, pretty candid per usual from Ursay with ESPN last night before the game addressing topics of his head coach, his general manager, and the quarterback situation. So we'll chat with Steven about that coming up at the top of the hour. Should we get into fan tweets, guys? Got some good ones. Post-game headlines. So Mark Dykton fired it off late last night in five words or less. Describe what you just saw. Jake, you want to lead us off? People are so creative, man. People are Um, funny. I I was very flattered, actually, by the fact that one of the first responses we got was from Bob Kavoyan. Uh, legendary radio broadcast, <laughs> Hall of Fame radio broadcaster. Yeah. Colts Don't versus believe Southwest he'll be flying Airlines. Southwest anytime soon, right? I, I guess Southwest. There were 3,900 flights canceled yesterday in the United States, and like 3,100 of them were from Southwest Airlines, who uses a different air traffic grid or something. I, I don't know. Somebody like a somebody had a whole explanation on it. Yeah, I saw that people like they're telling people, yeah, you can't book out till New Year's. What? What? Yeah. Yeah, we got lucky. We flew Southwest down here. Um, yeah, I thought it was like 52% of flights or something. Just some huge number of Southwest flights it was were like canceled almost yesterday. almost 70%, they said. 
got canceled Bob, for the day, like through the holidays. Like, yeah, that's brutal, man. Yeah, people couldn't. Bob get Kavoyan, Colts worse than Southwest Airlines. <laughs> that is so good. <laughs> uh, other great ones. Here's a great one. If you know the nickname of Nick Foles, <laughs> Big Pick Nick. <laughs> I loved that. Benjamin, great work on that. that Big Pick is, Nick. That is brilliant. Skivvies says Colts clinch playoffs for Chargers. CSB said two more weeks of malpractice. Ryan Bowen, I don't think any relation to Kevin Bowen, said Ballard is back next year. Or is that your brother? Yeah, that is my brother. There you go. At first, I was like, where are we going with this one? Um, How about this from David? This might be too much, but you know what? I'm not in studio. I can just say whatever and act like I didn't say it. David, I get more movement when crapping. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Okay. I like that. I mean, come on, How man. great is that? The Colts didn't get inside the 10-yard line at all last this night. Is, I think David might be right on that. This is strong from Jeremy. We have Nick Foles. Right. <laughs> uh, play the audio, Mark. That's right. Well, it's Matt Ryan, though. We don't have Matt I know, Ryan. but play it. All right, let me find it. Hold on. One of the highlights early in the season. Yeah, I got to dig it out. It's buried in all this the This is solid stuff. by Casey. It takes a second to figure it out. Three picks for fifth pick. There you go. We have Matt Ryan. Yes. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, Tom, as many picks as points. Yep, that would be correct. Three interceptions. Three points. Will Haskett, who you've heard on our airwaves many times. Drive for top five alive. Welcome to Indy, Will Levis. That from Tony. Austin sums it up pretty well, and this is more of just what happened in the 60-minute football game we just watched. Colts' defense can't save offense. Like, that right there sums up the entire season. If you want to boil it down to, okay, how do you, you know, remember the 2022 season, you could say the defense and special teams did their job much more often than not, and the offense never sniffed doing their job. Here is the the reply that should concern Jim Irsay. <clears throat> Didn't waste my time watching mm-hmm. that from Noah. But here's the thing. Somebody asked me if the Colts bring, bring back Chris Ballard and they have a similar season next year, will Irsay lose the fan base? And the answer to that is no. Because in sports in general, I go back to the movie, I can't remember what it was called, with Jimmy Fallon where he play, where he's the diehard Boston Red Sox fan. What's the name of that movie, Fever Mark? Pitch. Fever Pitch? Yep. Okay. It's a decent movie, actually. But he, the movie is set before the Red Sox. Matter of fact, they had to redo, they had to refilm the ending of the movie mm-hmm. because the Red Sox won the World Series, broke through and finally won the World Series that year, and they redid the ending. But, uh, spoiler alert, but... In the movie, Jimmy Fallon, play, he's coaching Little League kids, and he tells them he can't come to like their end-of-the-year banquet because he's got Red Sox season tickets and he's got to go to the Red Sox game. And one of the kids says, Coach, this is what I don't understand. Like, you love this franchise, but when's the last time they loved you back? And sports are always a one-sided relationship, always. For every team but one, it's a one-sided relationship. And fans can say... That's it. I'm done. I'm not watching this team anymore. I'm not going to be a fan anymore. You can't do it. You just can't. It's ingrained in you. It's it's just part of you. 
I don't know why. It is weird. Fandom is such a fascinating thing. I don't God, know why. Beautiful. I, I have, and you know what I mean? But it's just how it goes. You know, Jake, it's something I mentioned yesterday. With Jacksonville winning on Thursday night, the Colts are officially eliminated from the playoffs. That marks eight years of a division drought. It's the worst for the franchise in about 30 seasons. Uh, they will miss the playoffs for a sixth time in eight years. Um, that is a mark that we haven't seen in about 25 years for the Colts. If you just talk about preseason expectations, and just go off Vegas, I guess. Go off the win-loss over-under in Vegas. I want to say it was 9.5 at the start of the year. Right now, let's say the Colts lose to the Giants, beat the Texans. They'll, they'll have five, so you'll be one of the worst teams in the league in terms of their over-under win total. Um, there's no debating. This is the lowest point stretch, whatever you want to call it, of the Jim Irsay ownership. The lowest point of his ownership. How does he react to that? He fired Frank Reich. But that looks to be right now on paper maybe where it stops in terms of you know, obviously, uh, you know, quarterback can probably be thrown in there that they'll do something different at quarterback. But, you know, if you take him at his word, and we played the audio earlier, Chris Bauer is going to be back. And, boy, Jake, I, I, there is more of an open mind to retaining Jeff Saturday than I think a lot of people believe. Kevin, I get the impression, and I want to be very clear here, this is not something that, like, anybody told me, so this is not like a report, Okay. But I get the impression that Jeff Saturday being brought in as the permanent head coach is more possible than people realize. Uh, am I off base in that? No. I think, I mean, what was his exact wording last night? He's, he's a, was it obvious candidate or legit I think, candidate? I think he said like a strong candidate. Yeah, I mean... Yes, like, and I just don't like. What does he say at that introductory press conference as to why? I, I, like, I think what would be the reasons? I, I hear him in team meetings, and it sounds good because the results on the field. There's nothing you can point to in the six games of Jeff Saturday that would lead you to think that results-based, purely on the field, that he should be the permanent head coach. And again, I want to fully acknowledge he was thrown into an awful situation. But still, there's nothing you've seen from the win against the Raiders through these five straight losses that you can sit there with any confidence. Unlike, you know, maybe Dave Tepper in Carolina where Steve Wilkes, you can point to a team that's, you know, just set a franchise record uh, for most yards in a game and, and they are in their division race with two weeks to go and they have, I think they're a 500 football team since Wilkes took over. The Colts are 1-5 and five with Saturday. I, I, I'm almost curious, like, what Ursay would say. I think, you know, there's a difference between being a host of a restaurant and then suddenly becoming the manager on New Year's Eve. And it feels like that's the difference between playing center in the NFL and then suddenly being the guy that's overseeing everything on game day on the sidelines. But the the thing to me about Jeff Saturday being hired as the permanent head coach, if he is, and I'm not saying this is just, and I'm not saying it's fair, but it's reality. And that is this. The Colts 
kind of painted themselves into a tough position because of the manner in which Jeff Saturday was brought in unconventionally. And there was a lot of backlash about that. And I don't think that was warranted backlash. Jim Mersey can do what he wants with an interim coach. But it was backlash. And the Rooney Rule, which for those that are unfamiliar, the Rooney Rule states that you must hire, or excuse me, you must interview minority candidates before making a hire for a head coaching position. The Rooney Rule did not apply to an interim coach. And therefore, Jim Irsay, who, mind you, hired the first African-American head coach to win, an in, to win a Super Bowl and replaced that coach upon his retirement with another African-American head coach who has an African-American as his head of communications for his franchise. So... I, I don't think those things are issues with Jim Irsay at all. I don't think he has a problem with it. But the problem is going to be if he hires Jeff Saturday full-time, then the perception is going to be there that he went through the Rooney rule totally as window dressing just to appease people because Jeff Saturday was his guy from the get-go. I'm not saying that that, that's, that that should be the optics, but that's what the optics are going to be. I'm not saying that they should fall victim to the optics and the pressures of it, but that's what the optics are going to be. Yeah. No, that's that, that's a fair statement. Um, you know, something I am you know, kind of curious about is just how many of these performances do we need to see to get Ursay to clear house um again publicly he continues to back chris ballard very staunchly but embarrassment for him and i'm talking ursay and embarrassment on national television those are the things that really really grinds him those are the things that pisses him off frustrates him as owner the colts are having those and they continue to have them and again the interview on ESPN was after the Vikings game before last night, of course, does another performance. I mean, let's not act like the Chargers are the 85 Bears. They've been allowing 25 points per game, one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You score three thanks to a Chase McLaughlin 46-yard field goal. You don't have a single snap inside the 10-yard line. You don't see that very often. NFL team go an entire game without taking a snap inside the opponent's 10-yard line. How many, how much of those will it take? Uh, is it none? Is it there's no number? Is Ursa already saying, no, I, I, I fired Frank and I'm keeping Chris and nothing can happen here the rest of December into January for me to change my mind. It seems like we're there, which is a little bit different than the Ursa I'm used to. Now, having said that, He's Jim Irsay, and, and, and trying to predict what he's going to do and trying to relate past precedent to things is probably a bit foolish on my part. Kevin, Taylor Tannenbaum, who's now with the ACC Network but formerly was at WTHR, just sent the following tweet about literally within the last minute. Chris Ballard, she was responding to a tweet about Chris Ballard, so she didn't. it doesn't say his name, but she's speaking of Chris Ballard here. He has fractured relationships with so many key players. How can he possibly be kept? wild to me I do think that Taylor would know that to be honest with you that's the first that I've heard of that in terms of his relationship will you read that one more time Bob Kravitz tweeted his article 
And Bob Kravitz said, Ballard hasn't earned a seventh season with Colts, but he's getting it, probably. Taylor Tannenbaum replied to it and said, fractured relationships with with so many key players. How can he possibly be kept wild to me? And I do yeah, think t- that she... Taylor, Taylor's pretty plugged in. Correct. That's, That's interesting um, to me. That, that is. That is. Um, Stephen Holder going to join us here in about 12 minutes. Kevin and Corey on a Tuesday. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Monument Circle, and it's actually perfectly symbolic and representative of last night's Colts game. Gray, overcast, and no movement. Like literally, there's no one on the circle. There's no cars, no traffic, nothing. Mark, am I hallucinating? Or no, there's yeah, there's nothing. You and I are the only ones on the circle, I think, right now. <laughs> right? It's what it, it just last night. Every I, I really, man, I don't want to be negative. I mean, we're coming right off the holidays. You got New Year's coming up. We got bowl games. The you know the Pacers are at home tonight. There's a lot of cool stuff going on, but it just felt flat. Kevin, I, I watching that game, it just felt flat and. and you know, somebody just sent me a thing saying that they're hearing rumblings that Saturday would be a strong contender for head coach because they would let Jeff Saturday bring in his entire offensive staff and that right now, Ursay feels like you can't get a fair evaluation on Saturday because he doesn't have his guys that he's working with. You think there's any, you think, could you see that? Why don't I just hire him at the end of the year? What do you mean by that? Like, wh- wh- why was he the interim? Why not just promote Bubba Ventrone and then at the end of the year? Oh, I see what you're saying. Y- why not hire Saturday at the end of the year, right? Yeah, you yeah. now hire Saturday and you don't have this seven-game stain on his resume. Are you taking a shower? No, I wish. Are you near a fountain? Um, there's some pipes around here. You might want to check them. <laughs> Sounds like there's some drizzle in your background. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Mark. Well, I'm just saying. I, I I guess I understand the question a little bit, but so are we just not evaluating him on these eight games? Do we just, hey, pregame speeches well, sound I'll, good. I'll read, it, and... I'll read it as it was said here, okay? Jake, I'm hearing that Saturday could be a front runner and that Ursay wants to hear Saturday's plan for a coaching staff, especially the offensive staff since he is not coaching with any staff of his own. Yeah, again, I will fully acknowledge without Frank Reich, without Marcus Brady, those are two extremely important pieces to what the Colts were doing offensively. Obviously, you can insert your joke here on that front. Um, But it's just odd to me that, again, we're going to get to the end of the year. There's a very good chance the Colts go 2-6 and under Jeff Saturday with wins over the Raiders and the Texans. Their offensive performance will be horrific. They will have been outscored in the fourth quarter. Right now it's 90-9, to and yet you're going to hire him. I mean, think about the interim head coaches that have become full-time head coaches and what those interim stints look like. They don't look like what Jeff Saturday's stint look like, looks like. 
You know, I mentioned earlier, Kevin, part of me feels like the reason they go with Nick Foles over Matt Ryan or Sam Ellinger is because... It's time to go to Ellinger, by the way. I, I totally agree with that. But Foles has an experience level about him that maybe they feel like that gives them the best chance to evaluate the others around the quarterback position. They know the quarterbacks aren't good, but they need somebody that gives them the best chance to evaluate everybody else. And they don't want it to be Matt Ryan because if he gets hurt, it costs, if he gets hurt, it costs them a lot of money. And maybe there is some truth also to the fact that Jeff Saturday is the head coach. Jim Mersey feels like the pieces that he's dealing with seemingly are not what he would be dealing with in the future, and so therefore it's unfair to evaluate him based on this year. And that leads to your point of then why put him in the position this season as opposed to just waiting until next year. I mean, Ellinger is the one that, you know, if you look at Ellinger Foles, Ellinger is the one that has many more starting reps in practice and games than Foles. Well, not not as an overall career, though, but yes. Right, but within the because I thought so many of the issues last night passing game were, were timing. I mean, if you want to look at the Jelani Woods, the interception to him, the Alec Pierce third down to start the game, there was a simple little comeback route to Paris Campbell that, you know, if I was some cheesy announcer, I'd be like, he threw that one to Brownsburg. I mean, it wasn't even close to Campbell. There. It just seemed like so many of the problems were timing-related last night. Obviously, some decision-making foals-wise, but... Um, I think, honestly, for the long term and the short, short term, if you're Jeff Saturday and you're trying to win a football game, it's crazy to think that this is where you're at right now from a quarterback standpoint. I think it'd be Ellinger <laughs> from a short-term standpoint and obviously a long-term that gives you the best chance right now. I'm not saying he gives you a great chance, but he gives you something more than Foles and Matt Ryan. Last night after the game, Jeff Saturday said it's Foles all the way out. We'll talk about yep. that and more with Stephen Holder next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Nine o'clock hour is underway here in Indianapolis. Nine o'clock hour is underway technically everywhere in the Eastern time zone. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton is here as well and joining us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline, who I feel bad for because he had to endure that entire game last night. Stephen Holder, the one thing I will say, if there was a positive about last night, is there were a lot of people there that I felt bad because some of them probably got like Christmas gifts that people were excited to buy like in August when the schedule came out. But it was a pretty decent crowd, right? Can we say that much? Yeah, it was. It, it was. I, I imagine a lot of them were scrolling Instagram and, and doing other things, but they were there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scrolling, that's right. Twitter, Facebook, everything else. All right, let's get to exactly. this. If they were doing that, the first thing they saw was – on your network, ESPN, last night, prior to the game, the interview where Jim Irsay said in an interview that was taped, I believe, shortly after the Minnesota game, that Jeff Saturday was a strong candidate for the head coaching position next year and that Chris Ballard would be back. Uh, do you believe both of those to still be uh, lock, stock, the, you know, the, the situation and case this morning, or do you think that he might have 
hedged since that interview was done? No, I don't think any, I, I, if, if those two statements were accurate at the time, I don't think they've changed since. Uh, I'll say this. I, I wasn't surprised by either statement. I, I think that it, it's certainly not the first time he said Chris Ballard would be back. I mean, he, he did say that after Frank Reich was fired and, and has been consistent with that. I think he said it a couple of other times now. Uh, but the, the Jeff Saturday uh, part of this, uh, I think, I'm not surprised by that either, and I've also heard that from from other parties that he still has a, a strong liking for Jeff Saturday. Now, I think the problem with Jeff Saturday, if he were to make him the coach beyond the optics, okay, which will be a problem, and in terms of the Rooney Rule, minority hiring, all of that, right? You know, the whole old boys club allegation, right? Whatever. Even if you even if you don't care about that, the the perception from the fan base, I think people will riot because they have watched some awful football here in recent weeks. And, and I don't think people want anything to do with Jeff Saturday as the permanent head coach. That's just me. Again, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com. And, and kind of going off that, Stephen, does it matter to Jim Ursay how the Colts look on the field under Jeff Saturday? Uh, that's actually – a a better question than people think, or a more relevant question, I think, than people think. Because what, the reason I say that is because I think the question for me, and, and the reason that's a relevant question, is, is did he expect things to magically change? And, and if you want to sort of justify keeping Jeff Saturday, right, this is very, very theoretical. But let's just say you wanted to. Uh, the argument would be, well, he needs to have his thumbprint on the team and he needs a whole offseason and he can't come in midstream and, and and change the trajectory of the team. I mean, that's the argument you would make if you wanted to talk yourself into Jeff Saturday, right? So that's why I actually think it's a, a relevant question because you know, the team did have some problems, right? I mean, it's not as if we... I mean, we certainly didn't expect things to change, right? So maybe Jamerce didn't either. I, I don't know. I, I, right now, what I would say is this, too. This is an overarching comment on, in, in reaction to all of this. Is It's really hard to read Jamerce right now. You know, he's, he's acted very, um, I don't want to say irrational, but he's, he's acted very rash in a very rash manner, right, for the, really for months. And so it's his right. He owns the team. Uh, he is the owner. But it, it certainly makes it hard to predict where things are going next. Stephen, one of the things to me that is intriguing, and you, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, you would be more in tune with this than I, so I'm, I'm going to defer to you here or ask your expertise on it. There have been years in the past where it was very clear that an underperforming Colts season had Jim Irsay PO'd and that Jim Irsay was livid and that Jim Irsay at times was embarrassed. And it seems to me that this year, I don't know if it's a softer, more aged, gentler Jim Irsay, but it seems like this year that he has more of like an inner content and I'm not saying that he's settling, but that he feels there's an optimism that others don't seem to see versus in years past his viewpoint in disappointing seasons. Your thoughts? 
So I actually, I'm going to disagree. And, and here's why. Because I, I think the reason we have seen him sort of take the wheel in, in a way that we have never seen is because he is not satisfied. And he is, uh, I think, pretty outraged about the state of the team. You know, and, and which is not to say, like, he doesn't have fault here, too, right? Of course he does. <laughs> but whatever, be that as it may, uh, I think the reason, you know, he got so uh, actively involved in the Carson Wentz situation and and in sort of, sort of dictating what they do at quarterback this year and then firing Frank Reich at midseason, which he had never done previously in his tenure as owner. I think all of those, to me, uh, speak to a guy who is who's increasingly frustrated. And, again, his thumbprints are on it, too. So whether he admits that or not, but, but that's what that says to me. It, that tells me that is a guy who's increasingly frustrated and also uh, lacking answers <laughs> because none of the moves they've made have, have made any tangible difference, uh, which begs a whole, uh, whole other a group of questions, I suppose. Again, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com. Appreciate Stephen uh, bumping up a day for us after Jim Mercer had that interview last night with ESPN. One thing on that front, Stephen, he mentioned quarterback as well, um, and I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but basically said, you know, the quarterback very much up in the air right now what direction we will be going. Do you think – Whatever the Colts quarterback decision is will be an Ursay mandate. That's one. And then two would be, do you read anything into that in that he didn't say anything about long-term or future in that answer or the need to go young, anything on that line? Am I making too much of that? Uh, no, I, I think that is that is true, and I think that's notable because, uh, you know, it's it's one of the things – uh, well, let's just put it this way. He he did not specifically say, you know, we need to draft a quarterback or we need to do this or do that. Uh, and and he's not above doing that at times, right? So <laughs> so I think it's notable that he did not. It may be a recognition that that it may not be an ideal situation in the draft. You know, I, I think this quarterback class certainly looked a, a lot better, felt a lot better, you know, nine months ago than it does now. So, so that's that may be a recognition of that. Who knows, right? You know, we're we're again trying to read Jim Irsay, which is dangerous. But, um, but I don't think you're. I don't think you're wrong. I, I think you're. I think it's important to note that. But I also think, on the other hand, that he has going to he is going to have Jim Irsay a lot of trepidation about not drafting a quarterback and, and going and getting another veteran quarterback. I, I don't think he wants anything to do with that just because of the way it's worked out. But but that doesn't mean they're going to force it either. So we will see. This is going to be a really interesting offseason. Again, Stephen Holtner with us, ESPN.com. Coaching staff-wise, Stephen, you know, we're going to look back at this 2022 season, and it's going to be offense, offense, offense. That was the issue for this team. It's a credit to Gus Bradley and Bubba Ventrone, those guys running their respective units for how solid they've been throughout. Um, if you were the new head coach of the Colts, who would you have more priority in keeping, Gus Bradley or Bubba Ventrone? Mm, good question. Um I mean, I'd consider keeping both, but I know that wasn't the question, but um, 
I, I don't know. I think the, I think the defense is interesting. I think the defense is is definitely the the place where uh, they've had more impact. I think this year, um, even though I think the world of Bubba, right? I think the defense's ability to hang in there and give them a chance is the only reason they even have four wins. Okay, because if you recall, in the, in the four victories they have. Uh, the defense played lights out for the most part in in some cases got some turnovers and and gave the offense a chance I think in just about all of those uh, outside of maybe one I think there were situations where the the offense in in the second half or fourth quarter had to rally and and kind of come from behind and, and finally wake up right because it, it didn't do so early in the game so you know that doesn't happen without the defense. You know, and so that's until you get a you know a, an elite quarterback. You know, that's somewhat of the blueprint. Is you you know they're that's that's the way their team is is constructed right now. They're a team that you know they have to get strong defensive performances and and they're gonna have to score a few more points. If they would have done that this year, they'd be in the playoff conversation, frankly, because the defense was good enough. So. I don't know. I mean, I think I think their defense is probably even better than people give them credit for. We just can't appreciate it because they're a complete mess on offense. Steven, I want to read to you, and you probably saw it, but I want your reaction to it. Um, Taylor Tannenbaum, who we both know, was at WTHR, is now with the ACC Network, which I believe is a sister affiliate of ESPN. I could be wrong in that. Yeah. But, um yeah. But, you know, she covered the Colts for a long time and developed relationships also within the organization, as we all do when you cover a team. Bob Kravitz had sent out a tweet that simply said, Ballard hasn't earned a seventh season with Colts, but he's getting it. Probably. Taylor responded with, fractured relationships with so many key players, how can he possibly be kept wild to me? The thoughts of Stephen Holder on that would be what? Well, I think that is coming from some of the some of the fractured in terms of like business relationships, and I think there have been. Well, for example, uh, you know the Kenny Moore situation. Now, Kenny was never getting a contract extension last year. Okay, or, or excuse me, this summer he, he was never getting that right. But how that was handled behind closed doors, I have no idea. But I mean, but those are things that where you know things get tense, right? Uh, certainly. There have been players who have have tried to get contract extensions and haven't gotten them. There have been some tougher negotiations. Um, I think it's I think it's probably driven uh, by finances. You know, in terms of where that's originating. It's, it's just not reading her mind, but but just that's my sense. The other thing is there have been some some players who. There was, I guess, some personnel decisions that were made that were probably unpopular. You know, like the offensive line, for example. Uh, a couple of guys last year who you know departed and and weren't brought back. Uh, that could have been helpful. Um, you know, the, T.Y. Hilton had some interest in coming back. They didn't. You know, they weren't able to make that happen. Uh, from from everything I know, that was uh, that boiled down to just you know not me being able to make it happen on on the negotiation side. Uh, so you know, again, not a that one's not a deal breaker to me one way or the other but it's just one example right so look i mean sometimes you know the general manager's got a tough job and <laughs> you're not always going to be popular that's that's the thing right it's it's hard to, to always make the the decision that's in the best interest of the team and also be popular um we've seen that here before i'm sure right i mean 
you know, Bill Polian didn't always make decisions that were popular. So I, I think that's probably what she's getting at, and I think that would be something I would agree with. Do you believe, Stephen, is it possible that be it Jeff Saturday, whoever it might be, and I think you kind of touched on this earlier, but I was telling Kevin earlier, I, I do think that Chris Ballard now we can look at and say has done a nice job with the defense, with some of the players he's acquired. It looks like some of the – maybe edge rush, you still have a little bit of a desire, but some of the linebackers, some of the defensive players that he's drafted, he's had a good eye for. Is it possible that Chris Ballard would be willing to accept that whoever they hire at head coach – does have some say in the offensive personnel that is going to be acquired. I wanted to circle back to that that you guys talked about a minute ago. I think that no matter what, honestly, I think Chris Ballard has is going to have some of his uh, authority. I, I don't want to say like usurped, but he's probably going to have to concede some things. I mean, he's already had to do that, right? I mean, with with Jim Mersey. He's clearly had to concede a lot of his decision-making juice, if you will, uh, to Jim Mersey. You know, whether he has to to concede further, I think that really is dependent on who they hire as the head coach. If they hire a young first-time head coach, well, he probably keeps a lot of his um, a lot of his authority. You know, if it's a, a, a head coach with some experience and someone who's in demand, well, that person uh, can can ask for some things, right, in, in the negotiations and, and will have some expectations. I mean, I don't have any expectation that Jim Harbaugh is coming here, but, I mean, it's a very different scenario if you hire Jim Harbaugh versus, you know, whoever the young up-and-coming coordinator is this year, right, you know, as a first-time head coach. So it really it, – it, totally depends on what the head coach hire looks like and what the expectations of that individual are. Again, Stephen Holder with us, ESPN.com on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Stephen, I don't know how extensive your conversations have been with Chris Ballard this season. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's been pretty quiet even behind the scenes. Um, but do you get any impression that he would feel like his voice has been muted a bit and he would have some concerns about coming back? So I would I would answer your question in part. I mean, I are there concerns on his part? I think absolutely. I mean, we we know they were not aligned on the Jeff Saturday decision. I mean, there's there's really no bigger decision than your head coach, right? And, and I know it was an interim, but I mean, he's had half the season left. It was a very consequential deci- decision, right? And so to to not. To not have uh, the ability to to impact that decision, that had to be just like a you know a cold bucket of water for for a guy who has been able to really you know drive most of the the consequential decisions that have happened around here the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some concern on his part because that's why you came here because in part because you came to work for ownership that you trusted and you thought that you were going to be able to to do as you saw fit. Uh, it's also been six years with, with not a lot of results, and, and things can change. Now, as to the other part of your question, you know, would that prompt on his end uh, some sort of reaction in terms of leaving or, or otherwise? I mean, I, I think that is a really harder – that's a much harder thing to predict just because, uh, you know, look, he's under contract. Uh, there's family considerations, certainly picking up and moving your family. 
the money's probably very good, right? So it all depends on, on what the new structure looks like and and how willing he is to maybe bite his tongue. But he's not a man who bites his tongue very much, too. So that we know. Uh, last one from me, Stephen. I'm not sure if you had this in, in a tweet or if it was in a story, um, and I'm probably going about a week or so back. Um, but you said something to the effect, and again, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, that you know, Chris Ballard has had a very prudent approach to free agency. Is that owner-driven? Is that something Jim Irsay agrees with, likes, wants? I think we've all been under the impression that's Ballard 1,000%. And if I'm not mistaken, you were kind of hinting at the owner is a fan of that, likes it as well. Right. So uh, I, I can't remember the exact words I used, but but yes, you're, you're, you're explaining it pretty accurately. So what I was trying to convey is that, yes, Chris Ballard is, I think, truly, by nature, conservative with free agency. I, I do believe that. Um, I would also say they have paid their in-house players pretty handsomely, whether you agree with, with who they paid or not, right? They have paid those guys a lot of money. However, I do think there is there are some realities here. Uh, they are a small market team. You know, they do not have... You know, there's there's a salary cap, and people get this confused, right? There's a salary cap, which is you know whatever that number is, uh, and it's applicable to every team. But that doesn't mean that every team is working with the same amount of money, even though there's revenue sharing. There are all kinds of other sources of revenue that you can tap into that are outside of the revenue sharing that is divvied up by the 32 teams. Small market teams have much less access to those streams of money and the culture in that group. So it is not a level playing field. That does not mean that, that every team, that does not mean that, that Jim Mersey is, is going to be uh, standing outside of your local mall with a sign, you know, in a bucket, you know, asking for spare change. But if there's a but, salary cap, Stephen, what everyone has, you're maxed on what you can spend on payroll. Correct, right. But but it also is, it also is sort of a, uh, it's also a smoke and mirrors kind of thing, right? Because what people have to really pay attention to is cash. And so, do you ever notice, I've, I've explained this before, you ever notice, the Colts, they almost never do huge signing bonuses. They just, they, they go year to year. They give you a big, a big um, roster bonus in many cases. And I'm, I don't want to get into the weeds here, but the reason for that is the roster bonus is paid immediately. So, they're going year to year with their money. They are a cash to cap team. So they are not projecting out uh, signing bonuses that are going to extend out three, four, five years because they know they're going to have plenty of cash. That, they don't operate like that. They are very much like, all right, well, we have what we have, and we're going we're gonna to spend that. That, I think, does affect you come March in free agency. And I think they have had to make some conservative decisions. You have to cut some corners, right? So some of those offensive linemen who maybe they could have brought back for 5 or $6 million, that's where they end up cutting corners because you've got to take care of the, the big contracts. So you end up cutting corners in places like that, and this is where it comes back to hurt you. You cannot cut corners in this league without consequence, and I think the Colts have done that to their detriment. So tell so me I this. That explains it. I don't know if that's very helpful, but... Tell me this, Stephen. I'm a diehard Colts fan. I love watching the Colts. I like to watch every game. It's appointment viewing for me. I clear my calendar to watch, and I want reasons to watch. The storylines for me to watch the final two weeks are what? 
Ooh. I mean, you know, your wife is giving you a long honeydew list, and it's a good excuse to not do it. I don't know. It, it, it's it's not good. It's not good, man. I'm just being honest. It's really not good. Uh, they are an uninteresting football team right now. That's the problem. They're just not an interesting football team. I mean, when you can't move the ball, I mean, Nick Foles last night looked like a guy who hadn't played in two years because he is, <laughs> you know. And when you can't move the football, there's just not a lot of reason to watch. And thank God for you know DeForest Buckner and company and Stephon Gilmore at least, you know, giving giving them a little bit of a spark and making it interesting. But man, this is it, it's really really hard to watch. So, yeah, I'm sorry. That's probably not the great answer for the flagship station, but that's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> Off to New York for New Year's Eve and the New Year's Day. Woo-hoo. One o'clock kick, Colts and Giants coming up. Short week for Indy. And again, as Jeff Saturday said last night, which his words have led to different words and actions throughout the week, it will be Nick Foles here on Sunday. Steven, thanks for being flexible with us. Yeah, you got it. No, no problem, guys. That's Stephen Holder right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Jake, I think to that point, you know, it's a question I asked Matt Taylor to end yesterday. I, I, I don't envision Jeff Saturday going down this path, but now that they are officially elim- eliminated, do we see more youth enter the lineup? We should, and we won't. Yeah, I think you're probably right on that again Bernard Ryman key evaluation for him you know I liked how much they peppered Jelani Woods with targets early in the game I I thought they kind of got away from that as the game moved along defensively I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Cross again I mean he started the season as a third round pick he was in the starting lineup I understand why they haven't played him more but I think he's a guy you know key in your development as well but uh, yeah outside of the youth movement it is draft pick watch, and we can get more into that here, explain where the Colts are draft order-wise as we round out the show. Uh, Rodney Thomas last night with a play, though, a young, young player that I'm like, oh, I hadn't heard his name in a while. It was a nice play. That was a Got really nice pick, pick he had there. It was. I, it looked like the immaculate reception, actually. Uh, time, yeah, by the way, for good. another morning checkdown. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, Pacers last night in the Big Easy, but it was not easy for them. 113-93, New Orleans over Indiana last night. Benedict Matherin with 15 points in the game. And Tyrese Halliburton, a little bit off 14. Pacers back in action tonight. 7.30 tip at the Fieldhouse, taking on the Atlanta Hawks. What's that, Mark? You got through that. You got through that quickly. I wasn't ready for you to <laughs> bounce right out of that. Come on now. Yeah, that was an ugly one last night. Not pretty. Not pretty. But I, again, listen. you would have signed up for two and one on this three game road trip. Wins in Boston and Miami. For what it's worth, the Pacers are four and one in back to backs this season. Granted, the Hawks were here last night, whereas the Pacers are traveling back from New Orleans. Six of seven now coming up at home. All right, on the Colts front from last night, again, it was 20-3. to Nick Foles was not good, to say the least. The offense continues to be the Colts offense. I thought Dio Dangbo was one of the bright spots defensively, as we mentioned a few other guys with that group. Uh, Colts hung in there. They created a short field with a turnover, but uh, the most promising drive of the night was stuffed on a fourth and inches QB sneak, and that was the end of that. So now four ten and one on the year, fifth in the draft position with two weeks to go. With the win, the Chargers clinch. So is that 
That's what, six of seven AFC teams that have clinched? Is that correct? I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then things get a little bit interesting. I, you know, I mean, Miami's got to be close, right? Uh, and by the way, we haven't even talked about this, Kevin. But, you know, we now know that, that Tua had another concussion. I thought it was interesting that they didn't say – because if you think about that game that Miami had on Sunday uh, and the number of – plays in the second half you're like what is Tua doing and now we find out you know he's in the concussion protocol again not to deviate from the topic of the playoff standings but is Tua do you think there will be discussion about his long term whether or not he should continue playing football you know it's interesting you say that Jake I was watching that game on Sunday and there was a play where I I assume this was the play where he goes down and it's kind of one of those whiplash of the head off the turf and I'm thinking that is the play that you have these spotters up top to you know point out to officials to medical staff on the sideline etc and with Tua don't we just need to be hypersensitive right now like don't we need to monitor his situation even more consider like there almost should be levels NFL rules of if you suffer a concussion in season you get monitored more closely the rest of the year and if the more you have throughout your career etc etc I think you have to get monitored more yeah, I mean, it's. I saw that he said that his parents are concerned about it. And, you know, a lot of times if your parents are concerned, right. you know, it starts to come into play. By the way, um, Miami right now at 8-7 and seven is the seventh seed. Five playoff spots for the AFC wrapped up. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Chargers. Yeah. Jacksonville's oh, right yeah, there in the Oh, yeah, because you still got man. the AFC South up for grabs. The beautiful right. AFC South. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the college front, Purdue's got a new quarterback. Hudson Card coming over from Texas in the transfer portal. Uh, Graham Harrell, the new offensive coordinator, uh, is able to nab a QB that was a very highly rated recruit. Kind of lost in the shuffle at Texas with Quinn Ewers transferring from Ohio State back to Texas. Of course, Arch Manning coming there next year. Uh, Card has five career starts, 11 touchdowns in two picks. Um, so with the Brady Allen news, probably this time yesterday, we are talking about that. Uh, looks like Purdue's got their quarterback for next season. Looking ahead to the bowl slate today. We start to get into, I would say, more bowl games. Quantity and quality of bowl games start to uptick a little bit here. Uh, tonight, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. That's a late one from Arizona. Um, tomorrow, you've got Oregon, North Carolina, Texas Tech, and Mississippi. You got the Cheez-It Bowl. Uh, you got the Gator Bowl later this week. Jake's Tigers hosting, or I shouldn't say hosting, but they've got Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. And then Saturday, that is the college football semifinal. 4 o'clock, TCU in Michigan from Phoenix, and then Ohio State and Georgia from Atlanta. Let's go Bulldogs. Let's go Bulldogs. I'll be wearing my Georgia hat. I'll be all fired up. Uh, Are you the- still on the Ohio State national title bandwagon? Though? Yes, and people mocked me when Ohio State got beat by Michigan. Somebody's like, oh, well, you know, there goes Query's brilliant national title pick. And I'm like, I'm telling you, they are cockroaches. And would, would it surprise anybody if Ohio State comes out and rolls through the whole thing? Would it surprise anybody? What are we doing on those lines? Michigan minus 7.5 with TCU. Georgia minus 6.5 with Ohio State. I'd take Ohio, I'd, I'd take Ohio State and the points on that. I'm telling you, that you offense. You have money on the, on the Buckeyes, don't you? Did you put money down on that? I don't think I did. For I have no. He's got money on Luke Rhodes winning Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll be retiring if that one hits. That's right. 
I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. Uh, I've got to check on my NFL Super Bowl picks from last year. I would have put two bucks on like ten different teams. Yeah, and we'll see. Are my Raiders still still in it, Mark? When you they are off still mathematically alive, right? Here we go. That's yeah, all they, I wanted. I just wanted a chance late are, in the season. They're uh, on the bubble. They're the twelfth seed on the bubble. They win the tiebreak over Cleveland. It says. Are you saying they're in the hunt? Yeah. Or lurking is was what, what, what the new phrase was. Okay, here we go. My NFL Super Bowl picks that I placed last year, the morning after the Super Bowl. If the Vikings win the Super Bowl, um, I pick up 108 bucks. If the Eagles win, I pick up 205 bucks. And how much money did you put down on these? Like five bucks, two bucks? Five bucks I put on the Eagles. I got the Eagles at plus four thousand. God, the Eagles are that big of a long shot. Well, I mean, at the end of last year, if the right, Chargers I mean, win, the playoffs last year, the Chargers win, I get fifty-two bucks. If the Bengals win, I get thirty bucks. I got them at fifteen to one. Uh, I put two dollars on it. If the Bills win, I get seventeen dollars. Now, have the Packers been eliminated? No, they will be. Uh, Packers I can, suck. I can cash that out for twenty-six cents. Should I go Mark ahead and do Dighton that? Is not happy. Cash uh, it out. They're not gonna. If the Patriots win, I get 130 bucks. I can cash that out for a dime. And if the Steelers win, I get 102 bucks. Cool. If I took Cincinnati and San Francisco right now and gave you guys the field to win it all, how confident would you be in having the field I'd, versus me? You said Cincinnati and San Francisco? I get Cincy and San Fran. You get the field. Oh, I'll take the field because yeah, I, I would field. take Buffalo and Philly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, boy, you talk about two hot teams. Cincinnati and San Francisco. Again, we'll look at the Colts draft order coming up here. That continues to be the most positive thing right now. December football for Indianapolis and get you set for the Pacers and Hawks tonight. A little bit later start from Gamebridge Fieldhouse with the Pacers coming off a back-to-back. Kevin and Query. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. On a Tuesday morning right here, 93.5, The Fan. Okay, Kevin, again, the brilliance of my mind at 2 in the morning. You ready? Let's hear it. Of the teams that are still alive in the possibility of making the playoffs, if you had to break them, like you've got to take one of these two lists to wager on. And if the if the team that wins the Super Bowl is on your list, you know, you win the money, right? You got category one, which are living, actual, still today, living objects. So, okay, that'd be Eagles. Please tell me Shannon was not awake for this. (laughs) By the way, just so you know, Shannon discovered on Pluto TV 90210, and she's under the weather. I I, I went over there yesterday and at about 9 o'clock, and she was already, she's up to season four. (laughs) 
No <laughs> oh boy. Well, I like, guess when you're banned from Twitter, you know, you can only do so much when you're sick, right? <laughs> For like three days, she's been watching 902. And I, I get over there and she's like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess what Brandon did. I didn't watch it 30 years ago, Shannon. I certainly don't that care now. binge watching <laughs> the definition. I mean, it, no question. That sounds like the Colts quarterback situation, how desperate Shannon is right now. <laughs> that is correct. All right. You've got category one, which are actual living animate objects, okay? Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Jaguars, and Steelers. You have category two, which are inanimate objects or objects that no longer necessarily are around. Chargers, Bills, 49ers, Vikings, Giants, Buccaneers, Jets, Titans, and Raiders. Which one would you take? I'd, I'd probably take the make-believes. Or the really? On around, yeah. Did you say Bills, 49ers? There was somebody else I kind of liked in there. Chargers? Outside of that, yeah. it drops off pretty heavily. Vikings? Does it, yeah. I'm going Sorry. with the living things. I mean, Vikings My mind are- isn't abreast with living things versus <laughs> fake organisms in the NFL. Eagles, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens, Jaguars, Steelers. You'd go with that list? Yes. Which one, what's other than the Eagles? Chiefs, maybe? Mm-hmm. Okay. Chiefs or Cowboys? Uh, Bengals. Imagine being in the break room at your office today and someone comes up to you and is like, all right, you get the living organisms left in the NFL, I get the fake ones. Oh, Kevin. $50 bet. I mean, you just look at that person and say, go back to your cube and don't ever talk to me I will guarantee you, I will guarantee you that right now there is somebody who later today at lunch at work is going to say, you know, I heard an interesting fella on the radio today, and here's what he said. And and people will have an entire lunch conversation over this. Yeah, I guarantee you, it. Your it's conversations like this why people punt this week in between the holidays. There's like, I'm not showing up to work. That, <laughs> yeah, dope, 1,000%. That doping sales is going to try to talk to me yeah. about inanimate objects. Am I the guy with the red things. stapler? Is that what you're telling yeah. me? Yeah. I'm Milton, just telling Milton. you. It's a brilliant, Your definition it's a, of interesting is a, is a bit interesting, to be honest I, with you. You mark my words. Somebody will send us a tweet today that says, I'm listening on the podcast, and that's a brilliant thing Jake came up with. The two categories, the inanimate objects or the objects that are actually still living today of NFL mascots and which category I would have to wager on. I'm telling you, people are going to say, that's brilliant. And conversation starters, water coolers, I'm making things less awkward for people at work is what I'm doing. You've got to... Speaking of mascots, it's about time to start blue at quarterback, and I'm halfway serious on that. His arm is tremendous. Well, he's throwing from six stories up. First off, it's great. Depth it's like perception. have you ever have you ever been to Top Golf? You hit the you, you know you you tee off and you're like, oh my gosh, like my look at how power. And then you're like, wait a minute, I'm actually hitting from three stories up, right? Got a hold of that one. <laughs> oh, wait. That's like Jake asking me if I've ever been to Top Golf. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, we are at historic proportions with the Jim Mersey ownership uh, in what I think is the lowest point of his ownership. This from Mike Chappell. The Colts have failed to score a touchdown in four games this season. The last time they did that, 1993. Wow. So you've got to go back. 29 seasons for the offensive product to be this boring. Do you think that matters to Ursay? That the offense is like it's not like the Colts are losing games 30 to 27. I and mean, he, still 4 and 10. He didn't want Star Wars numbers, right? 
I mean, watching that game last night, I'm like, man, the Chargers are not doing anything. But it's hope the Colts were so bad that they couldn't do anything either. So it was like the the Chargers played probably like a a D plus game, and they still won. right. They still. Oh, I mean, the Colts. I don't know if you guys felt this way, but as soon as the Chargers kicked that field goal to go up 13-3, I was like, all right, it's, it's over. over, right? Yeah, I mean, two score lead is insurmountable. I mean, do you think Ursay cares about that, Jake? Well, the crowd was letting them hear it every time the offense failed to do anything. Kevin, I really believe this, and I hate saying it. I don't think so. I, I, I think Ursay has in his mind a vision of what he thinks long-term is the best for his franchise. What that exactly is, I don't know. But I just think that he feels like he has a firm hold on where they're going. I, I really do. Where that is, I don't know. But I think that Ursay, I think that Jim Ursay is so fixed and focused on not being his father that, you know, in, in 93, the, the games you're talking about, when they went four straight games without scoring a point, etc. In those days, as we have talked many times about, I mean, guys that played and coached in that era have told me about how Bob Ursay would be up there in his suite and literally would be like his friends up there. He'd be like, who wants to call the next play? And he's radioing down plays. How awesome would that be? Oh, are you kidding? The best, right? So Ron Meyer is saying to, you know, I can't remember if if, if it was Jeff George or Trudeau who would have been the quarterback then, but they're like, hey, do you know what a double dog squizzle is? No, well, I, the boss man just called a double dog squizzle. I have no idea what that is. I will just run a we'll just run a flare out and and hope that that's what it is. Okay, great. I, it literally was the definition of dysfunction. But Bob Ursay was prone to just listen to so many people around him and and appease, try to appease so many people around him. I think that Jim Ursay is hell-bent on the opposite of that, which is I'm just going to listen to myself and what I think is the best direction. And so I don't know. I, I do think that Jim Ursay takes a great pride in the way that his franchise is conducted of its professionalism. But in terms of the the ineptitude of the offense and things like that I think he at this point is thinking to himself I have a plan in my mind of where I want this direction to go of who's going to be coaching it and who the general manager is going to be and that's what I'm concerned with I'm concerned with my own vision and I'm not going to listen to what other people say and he has that right I mean I'm not saying that's a bad thing he has that right he's the owner right it's something what you were talking about with Stephen Holder uh, when he was with us a little bit earlier in the 9 o'clock hour, you know, would Chris Ballard have any reservations about the situation here in Indy and feeling like his voice has been muted? And again, I know there's a lot of people out there that would probably laugh at that, thinking how has Ballard earned the right to, you know, be extremely upset about, you know, his voice not carrying the same weight that it did. Um, I think a couple things got to keep in mind. First off, Ballard was a guy that denied or took himself out of the running of several GM interviews back before he got hired here because he is a very confident human. 
Um, and I think wanted to make sure that the job he took, that he would have the say in the critical decisions. And with Carson Wentz, with Jeff Saturday, with how they've operated at quarterback, um, he has certainly not had that say here over the last 12 months. Um, And if Ballard still believes in himself and believes that his resume could garner something, and I realize he's under contract through 2026, it's great money. He's got family that still has young kids in the high school ages and a little bit younger than that, that there's obviously pros to wanting to stay here. But if he feels like his voice has been muted or will continue to be muted depending on what they do at head coach, just would be eager or I guess interested is probably the better word to see how Ballard would react to that. Um, We'll be back one final time. We'll probably talk about live organisms uh, to round up. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Joe here, Kevin and Corey. Again, for those coming down to uh, Gamebridge Fieldhouse tonight, remember it's a 7.30 tip as the Pacers come off a back-to-back last night in New Orleans. It'll be their first matchup against former Pacers head coach Nate McMillan this season. Um, they will see the Holiday brothers, Justin Holiday and Aaron Holiday, both uh, get some time off the bench for Nate McMillan. Hawks 17 and 16 on the season, so two teams right next to each other in the Eastern Conference standings. And the Hawks haven't played since Friday, so they've had quite a bit of time off here uh, before facing Indiana tonight. Mark, you said we got Marcellus on that want to talk a little Jeff Saturday? Yes, he did. Marcellus, you're on the air. Good morning. What's up, Marcellus? Hey. hey, what's going on, fellas? How you doing? Good. <laughs> and, and I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and everything. You know, Same to uh, you, man. Hey, hey. Um, just want to, I guess, kind of use a sort of a jQuery type of analogy. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Marcellus, can I just, can I end the show early? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Jay will talk about peanut butter or something like that. He'll bring it all the way back to the, to the, to the point. And it's it is great. I like it. I like how he how he thinks. Uh, but you know, it's like it's like a stone rolling down the hill, right? I mean, it's easier to stop it right when it's starting than when it's built up momentum and it's halfway down the hill or even three quarters of the way. That's pretty much impossible. You try to stop it, you get run over as well. And here we, you know, we bring Saturday in three quarters of the way while this ball is rolling. And we're wondering why he can't stop this, the momentum, you know, that's already started. He's getting run over by this thing. Uh, And, you know, yeah, he said he could do it and we all hoped he could do it. But at the same time, I don't know really if he's not a good, he, he wouldn't be a good guy if it was at the beginning of the season and he had a shot where we didn't fire the, the two offensive minds. They, they're both gone, and now we see it's even worse offensively now. We, we got Parks up there, and God bless him, you know, but he wasn't the guy. You know, it was, it was supposedly Brady. We all knew it wasn't, but, 
it was, then then we fired Frank, and now we see the offensive side of the ball really suffering drastically. And it's so it's such a night and day thing between the defense and the offense. I'm surprised the fight hasn't broke out in the in the locker room. To be honest with you, from the defensive guys, just pissed off. Well, you know, I like, agree with that part, Marcellus. I agree with that last part of, in terms of, you know, we let up the show with Jim Mercy or Jim Morris bite, excuse me, from twenty years ago, saying don't blame that loss on the defense, right? Because Kevin, he make Marcellus makes a great point. I mean, that's the challenge. I think what you have to realize with Jim Mercy, we could look at the Jeff Saturday situation and be like, man, what are they doing? But is it possible that Jim Mercy feels like, in fact, you can't? fairly evaluate Jeff Saturday based on this year. Does Marcellus get a W-2 from you, Jake? <laughs> Listen, Marcellus is a lot like both Scott and David, just so you know. Hey, Jake, I'm driving to Florida because my flight was canceled and I think your lists are brilliant. David, everything Jake says is brilliant. See? Yeah, I'm telling you. burner accounts. On this <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> David, meet me in Florida and let's and let's have a chat about what, what you just said. Um, I think Marcellus makes a lot of good points, and it's a difficult thing that I fight with myself in the Saturday topic of he was thrown into a very difficult situation. Having said that, and it's more difficult here than it was for Steve Wilkes in Carolina, but look what he's doing. Like, the stone is rolling down the hill, but it continues to roll, and Saturday and the football team have not stopped the stone. I would argue that they're playing worse football. Um, they continue to be bad, particularly late in games, finishing games. Like, there's no signs of life, I- any sort of life. Um, and if, if, if that's the case, then, like, why, why even play these games? <laughs> Again, why didn't Ursay just say, hey, Jeff Saturday's our interim head coach, and screw the Rooney rule, he's going to be the full-time head coach. It almost, like, has that feel to it with how Ursay potentially is going to view this situation. I, I think that's the challenge in terms of if he wants to retain them, like I said, there are optics in play. Yeah. Um, Kevin, rest of the week looks like what for you? A lot of golf if it warms up? Uh, maybe. Um, I don't know. Having the second kid, golf, unfortunately, has kind of gone to the back burner a little bit. But, yeah, it should warm up down here. Looking forward to spending some quality time with the family. And uh, it'll be you two in the saddle, right, the rest of the week? That is correct. Yep. We well, thank you guys for doing that. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Again, if you missed it, Stephen Holder uh, with us earlier. That'll be up on the podcast. Pacers, Hawks tonight from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Everybody have a great Tuesday. Mark and Jake will have you the rest. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.